All right. <coughs> I think I'm ready now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. Damn right. And uh, I'm Ian Boothby. Thank you for agreeing with me. Mm-hmm. Damn right. <laughs> damn right? Damn right. You're damning rights. Yeah, I'm damning the concept of rights. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, it's old hat nowadays. I think those truckers have made me anti-freedom. <laughs> I realize, like, maybe they are freedom. And if they're freedom, eh, I don't want to be freedom. Then forget it. I feel like... Oh. Well, let me just say, let me say this before you say that. Okay. Um, because then I'll get to say my thing first. Uh, I don't want to brag, okay. but I've worked with BJ from BJ and the Bear. I've never worked with the Bear. Never worked with the Bear. But I have worked with BJ. Okay. So I think that gives me a, a, a relationship with truckers. and uh, That's a big part of their, their job. Is, is BJ's? <laughs> and having them with bears? <laughs> yes. Yeah, this all does work. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was everything about that show dirty? <laughs> Anyway, that's all I was going to say. It's just like, uh, I have respect for uh, BJ-style truckers. Okay. Yeah. Not. They go off having adventures across and uh, meet up with the seven lady truckers and try to bring down Sheriff Lobo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until Sheriff Lobo then kind of becomes an anti-hero in his own series. I think I think he became a positive influence then. He wasn't a, he wasn't a full-on boss hog. Yeah, yeah. He was a bit of a rascal. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if... Um, I guess they're both based on the Jackie Gleason character uh, in uh, Smokey and the Bandit, mm. where I guess Jackie Gleason was Smokey. Don't forget that Enos also got his own uh, short-lived he did. spinoff as well. Famously, where he became a better person than uh, he was in, when he was sure, working for Boss sure. Hog. Famously uh, described as Enos by a between-show between announcer on CBS. You know, I don't even think you need to... See, like, it already... It's Enos... It's Enos. So you're not. I get. I what, know. But I get where you're going with with like. Anus. I'm not it making sounds that like up. Anus, but I'm it already sounds like penis. Like so. <laughs> it's it's a biblical name. Oh, is it? And maybe that's the proper pronunciation. But I don't think you should go there if you're a between show announcer on CBS. So Dukes of Hazard is it based on the Bible? <laughs> I think. Are they Cain and Abel? I think it's based on the South. Okay. Fair, do, fair do, enough. Do, 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 do. Yeah. In the reality of Dukes of Hazard, mm-hmm. like if you checked in on the Duke boys now, yeah, they would have gotten rid of the Confederate flag. I think on top of the roof. I think they would have had an episode where someone went, "You should really lose that," and then they went, "Why?" And then they, go, <laughs> they explain it, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. And then they uh, they paint the roof because also Uncle Jesse's gone. He wouldn't care, and they got to move on with their lives. <laughs> they do. Yeah, Boss Hog's dead. Like, there's no way Boss Hogg survived with his antics. Um, probably, uh, what's his name? The uh, His, uh, ooh, you Duke boys. Uh, that guy's took over for a while. Yeah, probably, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Hazard County, that's how that would work. But they'd still be there. Mm-hmm. They'd never leave. I guess so. Yeah. Just as long as they can still do tremendous jumps with their car. Yeah, and I'd say Daisy probably would have gotten into the short-selling business. Online selling okay. your Daisy Duke the shorts. Daisy Duke shorts. Yeah. Well, it was a popular thing for a while there to, for girls to wear really like high cut mm-hmm. cutoffs with the pockets hanging out. Yeah, maybe that was her. Yeah, and it was it was uh, it was very popular to jump gorges. 
and then you know, and I, then the police would follow bridges. you, and they would smash a car directly mm. into the into the water or like you know into the into the ground, yeah, yeah. and not die, mm-hmm. and be able to afford to buy a totally new car somehow. <laughs> that Hazard County, good for them. They but only, that was unrelated to, of course, Sheriff Lobo. Very different situation. That must have been a pretty expensive show to make. Hmm. I'm just thinking of car damage. Because, you know, they would jump like the General Lee. They would like do a, a, a ramp jump every pr- pretty much every episode, I would think. Sure. They would do the freeze frame like, them Duke boys is in a mess of trouble. <laughs> They're in more trouble than a badger with a mouthful of bees. <laughs> and then they'd come back. I really... There's no reason for me to have liked that show as a kid, but I really liked that narration. I thought that was really clever. Was it Waylon Jennings? Someone like that. I, I think, think it was Waylon I think Jennings. you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. And just, yeah, just that right style of like sort of... Oh, boy. Ironic. Yeah, Wilson. You know, well, <laughs> that folksy uh, kind of... Really, I, it wasn't I a million miles it. away from the Disney, well, now that bear cub was in a whole mess of trouble. He didn't know what yeah. cans of paint were, but he was soon going to find out. Yeah. And then, you know, the bear gets in all sorts of trouble. Sure. Yeah. I think that's uh, pretty much what they were going for. Yeah. But it's fun. It was it's fun the, the time. Anyway. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about, like, what's expensive, there was that brief period of time where they asked for more money and uh, they got kicked off the show. And then their cousins showed up. And, um, <laughs> that's you what, know, that's less what expensive to, um, cousins. That's what happened to James Garner on uh, that show that with the, he was maverick. maverick yeah he uh asked for more money and then he was no longer maverick his his cousin showed up and continued the series without him but he went on to do movies you know support your local sheriff and those sort of films well with the duke's the Americanization uh of ratings went down crazy uh far and the original dukes were brought back on yeah because they were the dukes i did get to meet the uh knockoff dukes oh really yeah because they came to do uh, uh, an episode of a show I was working on called uh, Switchback. Okay. And so they they were in town for like, I think a car show or something. Sure, sure. And so they came in and they talked and was like, the one thing you couldn't mention was the other Dukes. Okay. Yeah. But aside from that, it was like, you know, da, 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 and then uh, like, I think about three weeks later, they were off the show again. And, <laughs> but Daisy stayed. So did Uncle Jesse. Yeah, yeah. 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 Who played Daisy? Catherine Bach, I want to say. Okay. Boy, I just pulled that name out of my hat. I don't know. Uh, was Good it for me? It wasn't Barbara John, Bach, right? Ooh, maybe. But it was was it Tom Wopat? Tom Wopat and John Schneider. That sounds about right. <laughs> these, 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 wow. You know what? This is good, you know? Because for a while back, we were doing uh, the cinephile thing where we were pulling the cards out and trying yeah. to remember things. Yeah. And I was going like, let me test how I'm doing after, you know, falling on my head and getting knocked out. Yeah. And uh, couldn't get nothing. It was like Winona Ryder. <laughs> nothing. And it was, uh, you know, I was like, oh, maybe this is not, maybe this isn't good. I just think that's aging. It, it could be. This is the thing. You never know. You don't uh, know. Catherine Bach. That's right. You know, Catherine Bach. Good. Tom Wolpat, John Snyder, Catherine Bach, Denver Pyle. And yeah, Waylon Jennings was uh, the, the voiceover guy. Hmm. And it ran for seven seasons. I remember it also was an animated series. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like everything else. Yeah. I guess. And it was inspired by the 1975 film Moon Runners about a bootlegger family. Yeah. Hmm. And it was created by uh, Guy Walden, Waldron, uh, who also created Dukes of Hazard. So it was inspired oh, by see. something he already did. He was inspired to do he make was a inspired TV show. Inspired by himself. <laughs> yeah. I'm great. I'm one, everything I think of is great. I should make something more of this uh, moonshine Absolutely. thing. A strangely popular 
uh, genre of film in the in the seventies. The moonshine, I guess, because it had fast cars, which is why why which originally where like NASCAR style, like souping your car up, came from. Oh, is that right? Was from people like who were moonshine runners, but like soup up their cars so they couldn't get caught by the the gov- gov- government, the, the G-men. And so, yeah, that's it. Sort of grew out of that. Now it's, of course, a completely artificial thing with that has no relationship at all to like cars or anything to do with cars at all. I mean, they're cars, but they're not like originally they're cars that people could drive. That was yeah. the idea of it. That you would take a, a stock car, you know, a car that came off the park a lot, and then you like souped it up and then you raced it. But now they have like they're just like made up cars. You know, they're just like they're NASCAR cars. Mm. That you wouldn't see driving anywhere, but yeah. at a NASCAR track, they have nothing to do with reality. With reality, yeah, which is too bad. I mean, at the same time, it was probably kind of crazy that that they one time they sold cars so powerful. Like, yeah, I guess you could still buy pretty powerful cars if you bought like a like in terms of stock cars. If you bought like one of those SRT Challengers or whatever, like those you know the the Dodge Challengers with the with the big engines and everything, you could probably get quite a bit of horsepower out of those. It's probably insane how quickly you could go. But it's even more insane that you could go that quickly in a 1960s car because those things had like the most wobbly steering system ever. It was just, like you had like inches of, of play on either side of the steering wheel, you know, that it had no effect on the steering. And, and, and I know that because I used to drive an old car like that. And maybe it was the age of the car, but it I was going to ask, like, like, have you ever technology. driven a really powerful car? Like a car that was like, whoa, this is. Uh... Yeah, a couple of times. Well, Lisa's car was like that. Yeah. Lisa's car was very powerful. Not as powerful as it was. It was originally like a. It originally had like a 351 in it, but her dad took it out when she was away on vacation, mm-hmm. and he put in a, a smaller engine, like a 303 or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but a smaller engine than what was in it. And then, but my um, the Firebird I drove, I can't remember what size the engine was in it. it might have been a 454, but that was like a car that when you pressed on the gas, you went back, like you your head <laughs> yeah. went back against the seat. You Battlestar Galactic, which is a pretty exciting yeah. feeling when you're driving. I'm making too many references to 70 shows. <laughs> showing showing yeah. your age. Yeah, I am showing my age a little too much with that. Be more hip. Wait, they might have thought it was the new Battlestar Galactica. Shit. <laughs> uh, I just outed myself that way. <laughs> Damn it. Um, I'm just going to quickly say something, and I'll say a second thing. Okay. Um, Waylon Jennings had a character name on the show. He did? He yeah. was on the show? Well, okay, two things. One, he was on the <laughs> he show. Was like, he did show well, up on the show, okay. and he played uh, Waylon Jennings yeah. in an episode called Welcome Waylon Jennings. Oh, I see. And he was an old friend of the Dukes uh, in that. But That seems kind of silly. That he, seems like it's getting, that seems like a later. Seventh season. Yeah, yeah. Last season. That's the meta, meta stuff cares? you get to, yeah. Um, the, he, his character name on the show, though, was The Balladeer. The Balladeer. Yeah. Because so, he sang the song. That's right. He sang the song and uh, and then tells the story. So mm. he is the balladeer. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. It is an appealing... I was, you know, the show is ridiculous, of course, but, but well, you know, like like the actor who played Boss Hogg was also great on The Rockford Files as a really inept lawyer that, oh, uh, that, right? that Jim Rockford had to hire after Beth Sorrel Davenport Brooke. was no longer his... Yeah, Sorrel Brooke was no longer his, uh, no longer his lawyer. I think... Um, the actress, I can't remember her name, who played Beth Davenport, she asked for more money and she was uh, ceremoniously thrown off, unceremoniously dumped from the show by, by Universal. Okay. I'm just, I'm laughing because like there's a picture of him here, but he's got big mutton chops and dark hair. <laughs> he's also good in uh, What's Up Doc, the Peter Bogdanovich film with uh, Barbara Streisand and, and Ryan O'Neill. He was also a regular on All in the Family. Oh, really? Yeah. 
He was the personnel manager at Archie Bunker's uh, workplace. Mm. He's a good actor. Like, you know, he's not he's not Boss Hoggy. You know, obviously that's a put on accent, but he does a really good job with it. And it's kind of one of those things like when you see David Ogden Steers on MASH and then you see him in other things where he doesn't use a Bostonian accent. You're like, he's not a Boston Brahmin? Okay, here's a question. Mm-hmm. How much do you think he weighed when he was playing Boss Hogg? During the time that he was playing Boss Hogg, he was five foot six. Yes, pretty small guy. Small guy. Yeah. How much do you think that he weighed? I'm going to guess about 160. He weighed 185 pounds. So more than me. I mean, less than me. <laughs> less than me. More than me. That's right. And that's what, that's what he did wear padding. He wore a lot of padding. Oh, okay. Well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he considered his character despicable. <laughs> well, but that's the fun of that character. Is his despicability? Yeah, that's that's for, yeah yeah. What's the what's the, what's, the, what's the thing? Yeah, I just made up a word, by the way. Despicability? Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. No, it's an appropriate word. I like it. Thanks. Um, so, uh, I was waiting out front of uh, my home uh, yesterday. Do you have an upside down Canadian flag? Uh, I, you know what? I, I put it at a jaunty angle just to confuse people. <laughs> nice. And then when they go, why do you do that? And I go, my freedom. Yeah. Freedom, man. So I got the freedom to put it at a jaunty angle. Um, uh, but uh, And then uh, my neighbor uh, came up and said, hey, what you doing? Mm-hmm. And I said, I was waiting for a cab. And he uh, said, what? Like, waiting for a cab? What do you mean, like, like a taxi cab? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, a, like an old-timey cab. You're just waiting for a cab to show up? Yeah, I've ordered a cab, and a cab's coming. <laughs> really? It's like, what? And for some reason to him, the idea of like waiting for a cab yeah. was was like this old timey thing that no one would ever do anymore. So if you, because I guess he thinks you should be getting a U, uh, Uber, right? Well, I discussed that. I went like, so you mean like I should get an Uber or something? Like you you own stock in Uber, <laughs> and this is this is your way of like shaming me into Uber? And he's like, oh, I just moved back to Vancouver, and they didn't have Uber last time I was here, but they have Uber now. I've heard maybe they have Lyft. Like, oh, okay, so I should get an Uber then instead of this because a cab is. <laughs> oh too old timey is yeah. this what it is yeah that was funny when the cab come i just wanted to get in and just go follow that car or something <laughs> to the phosphate shop <laughs> like he realized he was uh being a goof and so yeah. it was fun it, it just went into you know how upset it was upsetting it was to me that he was you know shaming me for my taxi cab <laughs> use you t- <laughs> then it went off into a conversation about how he was trying to learn to drive again because oh, okay. he uh, used to live in Toronto mm. and then uh, didn't drive when he was in Vancouver and is now, you know, he, he's just trying to get back on it so that he can like go around and do stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, I it's never like riding a bike. It's very, very difficult and dangerous. <laughs> it's not, it's not. And it just gets harder and harder the older you get. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, I agree with you on that. <laughs> Says a guy who was trying to ride a bike like a little while ago. Um, but, you know, I still do want to learn how to drive, and so does my wife. But then we got into a list of all these people we know that don't drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my theory on it, uh, and this is just my theory. Sure. Which is mine, which is a Monty Python bit. <laughs> Thank you, Anne um, That's right. <laughs> was this was, uh-huh. I think, like a lot of teenagers, yeah. they it's their method of escape. And I already had my method of escape. Mm. So, you know, I would come downtown and I would read on the bus and I would write on the bus and I'd do stuff. So I had no use for driving. Yeah. You know, like if I had to drive, then someone would probably want to come with me and just go, hey, let's hang out. I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. I can't read while I'm driving. Um, That's not as good for me. Uh, But, but yeah, it was like all these people who had their own passions when they were a teenager. And so they did not need the escape of driving. 
you yeah. know, to get to that freedom and that uh, <laughs> other place and away from home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was like that as a, you know, I, the only reason I learned to drive was because I met Lisa and it was just impossible to get to her place as a non-driver. So I had to. How old were you when you learned to drive? Probably 20, 21. Oh, okay. So yeah, you, you, you're uh, always. I, I tried to drive. Like I, I got my learners quite a few times. Okay. But. Um, I think I did twice. My mom was really uninterested in teaching me to drive. Like she did take me once uh, on a very slapdash, you know, like kind of a ridiculous driving lesson because she had me drive her to the mall, a local mall. Okay. You know, and I was brand new to driving. I'd never been in a car before. And suddenly I'm driving around a parking lot. It's kind of intimidating. Yeah. And then I almost, a full parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, you know, not like, at night when it makes sense yeah, to, like to Scott, learn at, to drive. Not at Scottsdale Mall, but the one next door, Scott 72, whatever it's called, the, the one yeah. next door to it. And yeah, it was still a busy place. And someone like pulled out in front of us, whatever. And I, and I had to like slam on the brakes because I had no idea what I was doing. And, you know, and I was like, I almost hit that person. Oh, I guess I can't take you driving anymore because you're not safe. So that was that. That helps. Yes, it certainly did. Yeah. So that, you know, at first she was all insistent. Like, I was kind of like, I, I don't need to learn to drive because I, I take the bus. Like, I'm five minutes from the bus stop. Yeah. You know, like, it's easy. Get on the bus and I can go anywhere I want. But no. Nope. Could you read on the bus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't read in a car growing up. And I wish I could have. As Like, as a kid, I couldn't read in the car. If we went, like, on a long trip, I would get close to feeling kind of carsick. Yeah. And even today, like, the smell of uh, Wrigley's... Um, Juicy fruit gum makes me feel kind of kind of reminds me of that feeling of that nausea. Who was having the juicy fruit? My gum? dad chewed juicy fruit gum because he had quit smoking, and so he'd taken up uh, gum okay. chewing yeah, yeah, yeah. as a uh, alter- alternate oral fixation. And um, my uh, my brother, my middle brother, my brother Glenn, he was a vomiter. He got sick and would throw up, and so that was never pleasant. But I didn't get to that Did point. Did he ever get any of the gum? Would that have helped him? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I would. I like to ask my brothers that actually, if they still associate. I, I have had juicy food since then, and I will chew it. But I'll be chewing. I'll be kind of thinking to myself, man, this kind of makes me feel car sick almost. Like makes me reminds me of being in the back of a yeah. hot car. And once someone throws up in the car, it smells Ooh. like that for a million years. Ooh, yeah. He didn't throw up in the car that we would pull over. Uh, okay. We would pull over, and he would he would do his business outside. I, I don't ever remember him throwing up in the car. Thank goodness, because that might have caused a chain reaction. I used to tour doing stand-up, and many a time we had to pull over so that the headliner, uh, you know, who was driving because I couldn't drive, as I've established, would have <laughs> to like uh, just go kneel over a ditch and uh, throw up. And he was driving. Yeah. See, that's unusual. Like most people, well, because car they, sickness is more common in the back seat than in they the would front. overindulge the night before. Ah, uh, well, that's not car sickness. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a mix of like a bunch of stuff. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. it's it's hard living and uh, and uh, bad choices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My parents are actually really good on trips of of taking the time to like stop, and so we could like go play in the wa- in a water by a creek or whatever. Well, oh, that's nice. We'd have like a picnic lunch or whatever, and then carry on from there. Like, well, I'm terrible at that because I'm very. I'm very uni focused sort of a person. So like yeah. once I'm driving, I'm just like, can't stop until we get there. Let's keep going. You can't and you won't and you don't stop. Some of us some of us <laughs> some of us have to go to the bathroom. We can get there faster if we drive. But I try to not be that way. There's some good places to stop, so I think I think they're right, but uh it's hard it's hard to not want to just keep going. Especially in today's modern cars. Oh, with all their amenities. <laughs> I like I like a rest stop. I enjoy rest stops. They're they're nice. I like them. 
Yeah? Yeah. I, I like just being at a rest stop because people just seem like, oh, they're a little relaxed. <laughs> they all stretch in their legs. It people are tired enough that they don't want, no one wants trouble at a rest stop. Like, mm-hmm. maybe you've seen a fight break out at a rest stop. I oh. never have. People right. are just like tired enough. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is just, I just want to, uh, just, do they have snacks here? Oh, good. Good. I'm happy about everything that they have here. There's a place to sit down. Couldn't be happier. A bathroom. Oh, my Lord. A bathroom's so great. Like, everyone's just happy. They're just like, this is everything we want. Oh, this is the fancier rest stop that I've ever been at. What? That there's pl- things that there's, to like, eat? there's, like, snack and stuff like that, yeah. Well, the, you haven't, like, seen a snack machine at a rest stop? I have. If, and then in the States, that seems that seems to be a thing. But here in, here in BC, most of them are, like, just, like, a, a outhouse. Yeah. You know, like a stink, and if, stinky old outhouse. And then uh, sometimes it'll be, like, things to do. Like there's a in the states, I find there's more shenanigans in the uh, restrooms as well than there is in Canada. Okay. Like, how do you mean by shenanigans? Um, uh, uh, well, I only know the, the men's side of things. Okay, uh, but uh, gentlemen enjoying each other. That's common here too. Is it right? Oh, okay. Yeah, there's one that's quite well known. I haven't it, seen. I haven't seen that here. Uh, there's one between Mount Lehman and Two Sixty Fourth on Highway One. Okay. Uh, that's quite well known as a uh, as a uh, gay hangout. Okay, which seems weird that this is still a thing. You know what? I think that's um, I think that's uh, reading too much into it. That it's a that it's a gay hangout. It's I quite think well it's, known. As that, no, 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 so, no, no. no. Yeah. I mean, as in like, I think it's just for fellows who are like, eh, eh, let's go. Eh, <laughs> Maybe why not? So you say it's BJ in the bear have stopped and they just need yeah. To, it's like you know. Yeah. It's like. Maybe they're still a vegetarian, but, you know, mm. they'll have a hot dog on the road. They got to exercise their freedom. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, I guess you're not a vegetarian now. Technically, you're right. <laughs> Technically, you're right. But there you go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's sure. Just saying it's a, it's a, what you call it? What's the, what's the it's scale? It's a Kinsey scale. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. It's a and I think, gradation. I, I think, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and then every one of the rest stops is, is marked on the Kinsey scale as to, you know, this is a four. <laughs> sure. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's probably true. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm just, I'm just repeating rumor. I'm not, I've never been there. I'm really missing now rest stops now that you're mentioning that in the States, like, cause I haven't been to the States for like two years. Mm, yeah. And I just like, ah, oh, just American snacks. <laughs> like just, but just the idea of like walking into just a, just a little corner store mm-hmm. and just seeing all the American snacks and so many yeah. different types of chips. Yeah. Oh boy. That'd be nice. I know. I totally miss going down to Linden and buying, uh, my, uh, oh, is it Tipatia? Is that what it's called? The, um, I don't know. What is a Tipatia? It's like a, a hot sauce, Mexican hot sauce, but they have ah. like, they have uh, Doritos chips with that flavor. Oh, nice! In the states can't get them here in Canada, but mm. right across the line from where I live, I can drive down and grab some when I go Tip get gas. A tea, you said. Something like some kind of name like that. I can't quite remember what it is now. I have to look at the bottle. Again. Okay, it's been obviously been a while since I had any because I can't remember the name of it. If I'm sure, if I would, if I saw it, I would go. Oh, that's we the we got one of those Japanese tea boxes with a bunch of tea tea snacks and some tea. Uh, today and it was okay. just like ah, it was nice. <laughs> and for some reason, though, once I ordered it, uh, it's all I get ads for now on Facebook oh, yeah. or YouTube. Okay, just, yeah, just for that, just for that. They're nothing but. That seems like a weird <coughs> thing. That same with Amazon. Like if if you buy something with Amazon, like two weeks later, it's 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 telling you you should get it. Yeah, and you're like, well, I already got it. Like, why I'm are you telling it, yeah. me? That I should get it. You think that you guys your would Your algorithm be, is poor. Your algorithm is really... I mean, it's spot on. I am interested in that, to be honest. I, I, 
I would buy it and I did buy it, but I've already bought it, so I'm not going to buy it again. But right. thank you for the recommendation. But they can't seem to help themselves. It's a very odd feature. I'm now looking feature. up this. Uh, uh, okay, wait a second. Okay. It's, is it uh, Tapatio hot sauce? Uh, tapatio, yes. Tapatio, tapatio hot yeah. sauce. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. All right, now I'm going to uh, check and see if you can buy those chips in Canada. Okay. Okay. This is this what I'm going to say. You can't just go into any store. Perhaps you can order them online, I guess. But This is my question. But that's that's not fun. It's not fun to order stuff online? No, it's fun to go on a drive and pick them up. No, I agree. I agree. You're right. Cool. Uh, but no, you can't get the chips. Uh, go here. to Safeway down in uh, Linden and pick them up. Let me see if uh, I can get them at uh, Amazon. Uh, Amazon America. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. This is good podcasting, huh? Yeah, sure. Me looking up stuff on... Uh, oh, quite often uh, when I go to get gas, or when I used to go get gas in the States, I would I would go into the into the uh, store, into the shop or whatever, to pay for my gas. And then I would look around at the chocolate bars and things. But I hardly ever bought any. I would, I guess I got kind of overwhelmed and then I would, wouldn't buy anything. I would just leave. Okay. Long story short, yep. you actually can order them oh, okay. in Canada. Sure. Uh, they sell them in packs of three. But they are currently unavailable. I see. Perhaps that they were like um, one of those sort of like short, you know, like not a not a not a flavor that Doritos makes all the time, but makes yeah. it makes them. Short they're, a, they're asking though, would you would you like then instead the Doritos uh, Doritos jalapeno and cheddar nah. instead? No, no, no. Uh, I'll do it right down. Go to hell. <laughs> go to hell. That's a so-so one in my opinion. And then they're really pushing the secret uh, Aardvark habanero hot sauce uh, variety pack. Aardvark? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, the secret Aardvark. Oh, the secret Aardvark. Is that the name of the chip company? It is the name of the hot sauce company. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. You can get uh, uh, Tapatio Salsa Picante Hot Sauce. You get the 128-ounce okay. um, big jug of it for $118. <laughs> sounds like a, a, sounds a good a deal. Of, is it a good deal? <laughs> sounds like a great deal. I don't know. Hope, it has, hope it's laced with gold. I, I I honestly don't know. Small dissolved pearls in it. I don't in any way, shape, or form know. I'm gonna quickly check how uh, how how Sparks is doing. <laughs> I used to have a I used to have a bottle of the Tapatios at home, but did you? I used it up. Yeah, that's good. It's a good flavor. I have the one with the nice lady on it, and I like I like her flavor, whatever that is. Oh, I know the one you're talking. Yeah, you about. know what I'm talking about. Nice yeah. lady. A cho- I want to say Count Chocula. Yeah, count- that's not right, right? <laughs> let's Count Chocula. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is his lady. wife, Countess yeah. Chocula. Countess Chocula. Yeah, I know the one you mean. Of the Harvard Chocolas. Um, Someone told me that um, Tabasco sauce is considered kind of basic as a hot sauce flavor. Okay, I can see that. But I, it's one I love. Sure, sure. It's my, probably my favorite. Well, that I I've mean, had. anything traditional will, will probably be considered that. Oh, okay. You know. Because you can get it anywhere. Denny's has it. Uh, we're number 15 in children's science fiction comics and graphic novels. There we go. That's good enough. For Sparks, the original Sparks. That's nice. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. The third one isn't selling as well yet, but that's because it doesn't exist yet. <laughs> so that's fair. There, it's a bit of a handicap. It's a bit of a... Yeah, that is the problem. Anyway, if anyone wants to buy it, though, uh, it is available for pre-sale. It sparks Future Perfect, <laughs> and that is coming out um, uh, April 5th. April 5th. So order it from your local shops. Um, I'm doing a, a Comic-Con this weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. First one in years. Like a local one? Yeah. The local Vancouver Comic-Con? Yeah. Where is it being held? Because Heritage yeah. Hall is under under tarps. Yeah. Well, no, it's not Heritage Hall. This is the um, 
uh, one next to uh, next to the um, Olympic uh, torch. Oh, oh, I want to say Canada Place, but that's not right. It's what what, what is it? Uh, what's the place next to the torch that isn't Canada Place? It's uh, the thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah, what? Waterford? Uh, no, not this is an excellent uh, plug for it. <laughs> so this is a fan expo. Yeah, it is. Oh, a fan expo. You said a Comic Con. That confused yeah, me. Yeah, a fan a fan expo. I would consider is partially a Comic Con. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, Vancouver Convention Center. There you go. There you go. It's three days of unlimited fandom. So that's Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So if you're hearing this on Saturday, yeah. and it's not yet 7, it's go clean. down. And if not, Sunday, 10 to 5, and then Monday, 10 to 5, because Monday is family day here in uh, in Vancouver. So that mm. is a day off. And uh, there will be celebrities. Oh, the celebrities. <laughs> celebrities like William Shatner. He's a celebrity. He's a ce- he is a celebrity. Yeah. Uh, Terrell Rothery. Who's, who's that? Uh, She's someone I, I wrote a sitcom uh, for once. Okay. Uh, wrote the Channel 92 sitcom. But she's probably better known for Stargate. Yeah. That's probably why people are coming to see her. Okay. Not the sitcom I wrote. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith, apparently, will be there. Oh, wow. Uh, the Trailer Park Boys will be there. Mm-hmm. Because it's Canada. Um, the cast of Lois and uh, uh, Superman and Lois Lane will be there. Oh, so the that's, new, that's a new one. Yeah, and... Tom Welling from the old one, Smallville. Elizabeth Tulloch. Ooh. And. Ooh, good call. Trying yeah. to think of the, uh, the guy's uh, name. Elizabeth, well, but what do you call her, though? It's Bitsy. That's correct. Does she go by Bitsy for this? Bitsy Tulloch, yeah. Because she used to be Bitsy Tulloch on, on um, the TV show Grimm. The Itsy Bitsy Tulloch went up the water spout. Now she's on this show, so that name is out. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I noticed in the credits she was listed as Elizabeth Tulloch on the uh, in Superman and Lois Lane show. Right, and who is Superman? You know from because you enjoy the Teen Wolf. I do enjoy the Teen Wolf, and I also really like him in that movie. Everybody wants some the uh, the film by Richard Linklater. Um, this is dumb, by the way. His credits here are Supergirl and Teen Wolf. Mm-hmm. Supergirl. Yeah, that's kind of odd. How about Superman and Lois? <laughs> <laughs> Give me his first name. Give me his first name. Tyler. Oh, Tyler Hooklin or Hecklin. Yeah, that sounds name. right. Yeah. Good for, you. Good for you. That's nice. That's that's one of my favorite shows, the Superman and Lois show. Like it, as a, I'm going to say as a writer, yeah. I watch it and just go like, good choice. Like often, <laughs> uh, like they'll go down like a road that's like, ah, here we go. We're yeah. doing it. Oh, they take a turn. <laughs> they go somewhere else and yeah. like, uh, or they'll have like the start of an argument and then someone will just go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're getting a little hot headed here. Let's just talk this, and they'll talk talk it through, and it's uh, nice. It's like a lot of how to discuss things with your family and whatnot, and you know they were leading up to a big you know villain reveal recently mm-hmm. that was like, mm, eh, here it comes, and then they did a twisteroo, and it was like, oh, hey, that's way better. Good for you. I much, used to much I used to watch it, and then I guess I canceled my sci sci fi channel uh, okay subscription, and so I, I it, it disappeared. Mm. Oh, space. Space, space one, yeah, yeah, Space Channel, yeah. Sure. That's where it's on, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But it'll like be on TV. something else in the future. I imagine so. Yeah, it'll be fine. And the guys like so. some people from Legends of Tomorrow. That's fine. And uh, Ming-Na Wen from, uh, Ma- it's weird, they got her there from The Mandalorian. Yeah, and Book of Boba Fett, which was just like on, like, yeah. and get up to Agents speed. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> up to speed. Yeah, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Up to speed, guys. Come on. Come on. And she performed under a different name on ER. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Everyone was on ER, though. Everyone was? Everyone. 
Everyone who counts? Yeah, everyone and every actor that exists. You like name an actor. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman? Sure. He was on? Yeah. ER? Sure. Okay. You, you go, you and McGregor. Yes. Yes, he was? Yes, he was. He was on ER? Yeah, you go like, yeah, he was on ER. Okay. It was an episode of okay. ER. Yes, he was. How about... You go George Clooney. You go like, yeah, he was on two ERs. Not just that ER. He was on a, another show called ER. There was a sitcom called ER before this ER. Is that right? He was on two ERs. Yeah. That's how many ERs yeah. everyone was on. Yeah. Yeah, there. I thought... Forget it. I thought I was going to say, I thought ER was a, was like a, well, forget it. It's too complicated. Are you thinking of that spinoff show of Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore? <laughs> no. Which I was, was uh, where they where they had to attach his tail every episode. And it was really, it was like, oh, I don't think no. I'm going to make it. That's, that's a I'll tell that's my a wife I loved her. I, I was like, we're going to just, it's just a pin on. You're going to yeah. be fine. Oh, donate my tail to charity. Like to charity? What's that mean? Just put the tail on. Just sew it on. <laughs> this is on you at this point. Wow. Yeah. A lot of Eeyore hate. Yeah. Mine was uh, a much uh, a much different different road and and uh, ridiculous. Okay. Well, and I'm embarrassed about it. I'm not going to talk about it. All anymore. right. No, that's fine. I'm... You go like, what about that uh, woman from uh, the 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 Go Go's? Yeah, she was on ER. Yeah, she was regular on ER. <laughs> What's her name? My my days my days. My days as a person, the last little while. I've Angela been... Bassett. Yeah, she was on it. She was on it ER? Yeah. She's a good actress. Damn rights. I guess that's why she was on ER. She's my Amanda Waller. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. But she was killed as Amanda Waller in the Green Lantern movie. That's a dumb move. You got Angela Bassett. You yeah. got her as Amanda Waller. Yeah. And then you kill her. Yeah. You dum-dums. Okay. That's dumb on every level. <laughs> Except hiring her as Amanda Waller. Yeah. But now she's on um, Mission Impossible, the Mission Impossible what? film. She's in the Mission Impossible films. Oh, okay. I thought I got to say that she's uh, in the nine one one series, which she is. The nine one one. Yeah. What, like Lone Star? Yeah, oh. I believe. I don't know. I don't think about this. No, no. She's in the uh, other one. She's in the first one. Nine one one. Okay. There's nine one one, and then there's nine one one Lone Star. She's in the okay. original nine one one. Okay. Yeah. Not the original nine one. Is it like you mean Rescue nine one one? Well, William Shatner. Oh, you mean the guy from Fan Expo? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that the yeah. Fan Expo you're going to be at? Yeah. What? That'd be that? funny if that'd be funny if that was his listing. Yeah. It was like William Shatner, <laughs> Rescue nine one one. T.J. Hooker. Well, T.J. Hooker, you could almost go with. I like guess that's so. that's enough okay. nostalgia, but you know, it would be like listing whatever that uh, giant spider movie he was in. Oh yeah. Remember that one? Kingdom of the Spiders. Sure. I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. Why not? Which isn't really a, I mean, it has, it's not as good as the attack of the, I think it was called like the inf- giant spider invasion or something like that, where they had like <laughs> a, they had a, a car with a giant spider mounted to it and just driving and they just had the legs moving up and down, but they were going slower than the speed of the car. No. Oh. So it didn't look very convincing because it was this walking kind of doom, 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 but it was like, vroom, I don't the road. know why they don't just go with, you know, you've seen videos where they put a spider costume on a dog. Yeah. Have you ever seen those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, if you just see it out of the corner of your eye, yeah. oh, there's a fucking big spider coming at you. Yeah. Like, just dress this up. Is, this is a bigger spider than that. This oh, was I, a giant spider. No, I gotcha. But I'm just saying, like, in a movie, dress up a bunch of dogs as spiders. Yeah. Have them coming over a hill. That's a creepy image. <laughs> that would be really, really disturbing. This um, this movie featured uh, Ellen Hale Jr., the skipper. Sure. Uh, being bitten in half by a giant spider. Oh my god! This is like about a five-minute-long scene of him just screaming and bleeding. It's pretty interesting. And this was after he was the skipper. Yes, this was. Uh, he must have been like the the one name in the movie. I'm trying to remember what his restaurant was. It was like 
Like Alan Hale Skip Jr.'s... the dishes. <laughs> Skipper the dishes would be good. Oh, that's even better. Uh, it's like Alan Hale's clam bucket or something. There was like some... <laughs> there was some I think I think of Ivor's Acres of Clams. I, 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 I am thinking of that. Uh, a second. Uh, oh, uh, Alan Hale's Lobster Barrel. Ah. Yeah, he opened it in the mid-70s. And uh, uh, Cliff Nesteroff, um, uh, comedic, comedy historian and showbiz yep. historian, yep. has like a lot of his ads. Okay, you know, come on down and have a lobster with me, Alan Hale, and all the all the all the ads that he did. It was pretty good. So he, he he opened it himself. Yeah, is yeah. it just one? It was just one restaurant. Uh, it was a restaurant he opened in the mid seventies. Lobster Barrel was located on the uh, La Cienega uh, Boulevard in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, uh, Hale was phased out of the business in 1982, and he later opened Alan Hale's Quality and Leisure Travel Office. Mm. Okay, so he became a travel agent. Yeah, that's a weird. Okay, Maybe that is weird. If How about a three-hour tour? Yeah, your character yeah. is best known as a inept tour operator. That feels like a weird reach, but okay, whatever. I'll give it to him. Yeah. Huh. So, oh, I've got to, I was going to talk about this. this is speaking of uh, Gillian's Island. So I've been playing with a friend at work. We've been playing a thing called Swag Bucks Live. It's a, it's a, it's a live trivia contest. Sure. Ten you, questions. Yeah, yeah. I remember you, t- you told me, this, like, uh, where were you? he was upset because you knew something that he didn't know and he could have used Yeah, he could have used, the, used the, the assist, but I wasn't there for that. But, okay, so on this, in this question, it was like, who or what show was, did Elf appear on? ALF, the character Elf from the TV show yes. Elf. And it was like Golden Girls, Gilligan's Island, and then one other choice, I can't remember what it was. Okay, so so I'm, I'm like, well, it has to be Golden Girls, because that's the only one I could see that was like contemporaneous with, with Elf. Unless they're talking about, say, a, uh, a made-for-TV movie. Apparently, I didn't know this, there was a, two seasons or so of a show called The Ballad of Gilligan's Island that he appeared on in a dream sequence. But the, my problem was is that they didn't call it The Ballad of Gilligan's Island. They just called it Gilligan's Island. What? <laughs> you seem confused. The Ballad of Gilligan's Island. I was looking up about it because I was like, I've never heard of this. And no. So, and so I looked up like when, when Elf appeared on Gilligan's Island. And then it said it was called, it said some show called The Ballad of Gilligan's Island. And it was in season two, episode seven or something like that. There's a dream sequence featuring Elf, the character from the the TV show. And I don't know if it was a crossover to bring audience to Gilligan's Island or if it was a crossover to bring an audience to Elf. It seems more likely that it's Elf to... No. This is bullshit. Okay. Some bullshit here. Okay. So what was the question? Tell me what the question was again, sir. Okay. So it was like, on what TV show did Elf appear? Yes. Uh, And they said, I think, I don't know if they said in a dream sequence, they just said, did Elf appear? And Uh then they said, it was blah, 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 Golden Girls, and Gilligan's Island. Just Gilligan's Island. Bullshit. Then it's bullshit. Because it should be the ballad of, right? No, it shouldn't be the ballad of okay. Gilligan's Island. What was it called? Elf. Oh, it was on Elf there. It was an episode of Elf, and yeah. the episode was called The Ballads of Gilligan's ah. Island, where there was a dream sequence where Elf, uh, um, because if you want to do that, yeah. well, then Roseanne also had an episode where she dreamt she was on Gilligan's Island. Oh, okay. Like, other people have dreamt they're on Gilligan's fucking island. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. But that was just, there was a two-episode yeah, uh, yeah. Elf episode where he dreamt he was on Gilligan's Island. So oh. that question is incorrect. Uh, talk to Swag Bucks because they <laughs> I, owe you some money. I want some. I want some. Like uh, you just get Swag Bucks though. You don't get real money. You don't get any, any money. No, you just get you just get points that somehow accrue. I don't really know. I don't. I just played it. I just my friend likes to play it, so I just I just assist. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so uh, on that ALF episode, you had Bob Denver, Alan Hale, Don Wells, and, and Russell Johnson. Yes, the professor. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's fine. Huh? What was uh, what was the main competition to uh, to uh, Gilligan's Island? Would you say uh, during the nineteen sixty six to nineteen sixty seven television series? Uh, Gunsmoke. It was the monkeys. Oh, really? Yeah. And it and it beat them. Yeah, it was winning. It was winning up against the monkeys. Well, I mean, the monkeys was a, appealing to a pretty narrow. That's really narrow casting, right? Like it was just. Uh, but it, but it still got canceled. That's, Gil- the, that's why they bring it up. Was like it was it was winning its slot, but it still got. Well, canceled. no, according to uh, Sherwood Schwartz in the okay. book about Gilligan's Island that I read many many years sure, ago, sure, it was sure, back, sure. a friend gave it to me when I was in the hospital with cancer. She's like, I couldn't think of a better book for you to read than this one. She probably so I did read it there and. Um, and I, he claimed in there that they were doing great in the time slot they were in, but because the uh, the president, the network president's wife, did not like Gilligan's Island, she considered it trash. The show was put up against Gunsmoke, uh-huh. and it lost in that in that. Uh, and I don't know if it had like a bad lead in or something like that. Anyway, it, it lost against Gunsmoke, and that's why they canceled it. No, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just I'm just uh, spouting off what I remember from a book I read more than thirty years ago. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, uh, Gilligan's Island was on uh, uh, Roseanne. Hmm. Yeah, and the episode is called Sherwood Schwartz, A Loving Tribute. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, that must have not featured any of the original actors, though. Uh, it's featured Bob Denver, Tina what? Louise, Don Wells, and Russell Johnson. Wow, that's almost, well, I guess it's the same amount as they... Yeah, and Sherwood Schwartz as, as himself. Hmm. But Alan Hale Jr., Jim Backus, and Natalie Schaefer had passed away at the time that yeah, they had uh, yeah. done this. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. And also, uh, uh, Gilligan appeared in, what was it? Uh, it was a movie with uh, Frankie and Annette. And it was like uh, the beach. Oh, Back movie. to the Beach? Back to the Beach. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. yeah. I think he was uh, appearing in that as Gilligan. And if not as Gilligan, a very Gilligan-esque character. Yeah. Who yeah. kept trying to tell the story of all the stuff that happened to him and no one cared. That movie should have been called Son of a Beach. This is sort of a, a tribute I to... I think it was supposed to be called that. Oh, is that. that right? That would have been... Okay. I do think that was the original title. Hmm. Yeah. And it was like... A, what, was, what was it? Back to the Beach? I believe so. All right. Let's see. Now you got me, now you got me interested <laughs> so in that. have to go look things up. Yeah. Okay. Got two thumbs up from uh, from uh, from Siskel and Eber. It's fun. Yeah. It's strictly fun. I can't see it, but I do feel that... Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, they're probably if someone said that, they're like, "Oh, that's hilarious." But our target audience is not going to like. Would that. love it. Our Midwest target audience is not going to enjoy that joke in the least. Mr. Smarty Pants, New Yorker, get out of the writing room. There was a this was this was something this week where I went to a comic store for the first time in a very long, long, long time. Okay, and uh, when you had it, a teeming, overflowing subscription box. Ha! Huh. I've never done a subscription box. I did when I was younger. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a good idea for the for the store. <laughs> um, well, it's a good idea if you aren't. It's a good way to support a book. It's a good way to support a book, and it's a good way if you're not like uh, a real keener, which I wasn't like super keen about going every week to the store. Yeah, so, and the, and the and the comics that I subscribed to were uh, irregularly published. You know, so Yummy for Love and Rockets, sure, books like that. You know, they would just show up when they'd show up. So. 
You couldn't go like, I'm going to go every week and, or every month and I'll get my, my, you know, that's not how it works. So Yeah, what I would like is uh, going in and the books that I wanted weren't there. And so I was like, well, I'm going to get something. So I look around for something and I'd pick something weird. And I'm okay. like, oh, and I've never seen what this is. Oh, well, that's all right. Now maybe. And often it was a stinker. Um, <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, so I go into the comic store and, uh, and there's, you know, two guys there working there that I uh, know. Okay. Generally, because I've been going to that store. Mm-hmm. For a million years, <laughs> and uh, and the one and the guy in the back, who's the owner of the store, uh, says, uh, "How's it going?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's going good." He's like, "Really? How's it, are you doing? All right? Hmm. How are we doing this? Huh? Okay." Uh, so I was like, "Okay, you know, deep breath." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, uh, under the circumstances, things are, you know, things are okay." And then uh, you know, I was like, "How are you doing?" He's like, well, "You know, you getting by? You know, we're still here." Yeah. We're around. And then, you know, I have a very similar conversation with the guy at the front. Yeah. Where it's just like, so how are you doing? <laughs> well, and I just thought like, oh, shit, this is going to be my weekend. This is going to be my weekend because I'm going to be seeing people who have not seen me for years. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and everyone's going to have, okay, so, well, that... Our business is gone now, and this is this, and probably people will have lost people, and this and this, and it's really hard, and yeah. this and that and the other, and you know, yeah, I was like, oh no, it's gonna be, it's totally, and it's also, it's also like okay that it's that, but it's boy howdy, it's gonna be a lot of that, like over and over and over and over again, and just seeing like you know when you actually do ask someone like, but how are you doing? <laughs> it's uh. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> it's rough. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're get, you're getting through. You're getting by. I'm wondering what people need from this, you know, because it's, it is like doing something that we haven't done for a long ass time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People haven't been in a room with a bunch of nerdy things. They haven't <laughs> been to a t-shirt tower. Yeah, you know, the, you know, as flick through just like boxes of comics or, you know, what. Yeah, just like you're sitting and looking at William Shatner tell a story about George Takai that maybe is a bit too mean. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, all right. It's funny. The last con I did, George Takai was there telling William Shatner stories. So uh, were they kind of mean? Yeah, they were kind of mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're mean. They're, yeah, they don't like each other. Oh, <laughs> Those guys. Right? Oh, no, okay. no, oh. they got problems. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, they like, it's fun for both of them cause they can both get, score some good laughs and be a little catty and you know, it's not like so. mean, 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 mm-hmm. mean. It's just, <laughs> and that's okay sure. for a couple of guys like, you know, in their eighties and nineties yeah. to yeah. be still being a little catty. Yeah. But it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting seeing what, how, how people are doing with that. Will they dress up? Do they have to wear masks? I assume they wear a mask for this. Yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, so a lot of costumes will allow you to wear masks. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, it's just not a bad environment for that. <laughs> just get that Spider-Man mask on. I don't know. I don't know if I'm... I said that... I, I mean, obviously, I'm down with wearing masks. But I don't know if I'm down with like the idea of that, that I have to go there wearing a mask. And now this is like... like This is just like the old days or whatever. You know, ah, it's just like... Going to con, you know, three years ago or whatever. No, walking around wearing a dumb mask. No, yeah, it's still the same. Yeah, just uncomfortable. Can't see through my glasses. You know, typical. So, what's the point? Well, most comic fans don't wear glasses, so that's you. <laughs> <fine. laughs> 
<laughs> it's not like it's a bunch I of stand nerds. out. I stand out. You're right. Yeah. No, there's going to be definitely some half measures. There's going to be some, as in like, you know, you can't fully, 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 mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have to, you know, definitely have like, you know, you know, washing hands or you touch this or be real careful of this. We're not mm-hmm. going to be shaking hands, you know, and also I'm going to be seeing like a lot of like artist friends, you know, for the first time in, in so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It's a little nerve wracking too. You know, because it's very rare that you come out of like a con without like some con crud, you know, like, but maybe less so now because we're going to be taking all these precautions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so we'll see. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's nerve, it's nerve wracking. We're also going to be using, um, technology for the first time. We're going to use one of those square readers. Okay. Okay. Which I've never used before. So mm-hmm. it's really going to be, uh, PF, bound, bound PF figuring great. that bound out. To go great. What's that? I said bound to go great. Oh, it'll be fantastic. Anything technology like that is fantastic. It's so good. We normally would rely on uh, Nina for that. Uh, yeah. She's got that She's down. with her husband. And she loves me. <laughs> oh, is she going down? Yeah. Oh, she's going nice. to be in uh, Berkeley. Nice. Hmm. Um, yeah, my my life has been so boring lately. It's funny. <laughs> I've just been working. I mean, I've been working, going in at 6 in the morning, so an hour before I'm supposed to start, and working until 5, an hour after I'm supposed to have stopped. Uh, all the last two weeks. And then I'm working this weekend. Yeah. Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, geez, are you? And then I get Monday off because that's a holiday. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm back on Tuesday. Oh, my God. And then I'm working the next weekend, Saturday, Sunday, doing the same, following the same time, six, six till five, because we've just had, I think I've mentioned before that we've had a lot of trucks come in and we've had even more trucks come in. And it's just been so overwhelming right now. Like all of us, anyone who's like in any sort of like position of like, dealing with this is this feeling so overwhelmed by it like sure the only thing that's getting me through is that i just i've already have like a set of i already have like a system in place for doing everything so i just follow the same system so i'm not like scattered around and trying to figure out a bunch of stuff at the same time i'm just like do this and then do this and do that but the problem is is it's like it's just like um you know do like yesterday i was checking off doors like okay. checking doors off and then my Warehouse manager came you over. You work in a door, a, door, a garage door. Yeah, I work in a garage door place. company. So, I'm, yeah. so the doors that come for in on the trailer. For people who are listening for the first time. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we took the doors off the trailer and all the stuff off the trailer, and then uh, and that was our. I've lost count. I've seriously, I've lost count. Like I think we're at eight trailers now in the last two weeks. Oh wow! Like it's just been so crazy. Like we've like sometimes like two a day, just like <laughs> come in, and some of the some of the companies are just like drop and go, and other companies are like come and then we have to take it off it's like a six hour window to take everything off so like you know we might be like get one that's like a drop and go and then another one's the, the has a, a time limit so we have to do that one first and then do the other one and then we're like and then another one comes and then yesterday i was like checking off doors and then the warehouse manager came over and goes oh dave got another trailer it's like holy cow so then i'm I said, well let's finish these doors so i just finished checking off the doors and then i went over and i'm like and then i saw the trailer company i'm like oh this is a drop and this is not a drop and go. This is like a live load. I gotta get it off. So immediately taking stuff off the trailer. So we got all this stuff piled everywhere. We have so much stuff. And like the way the system it was never organized for this. Like it's never been like this before. Like we had like a pretty simple system of like three racks of stuff where you could put the boxes when they came in. And maybe like there'd be a pallet on the floor with a couple of extra ones. But now we have like 40 pallets of boxes like everywhere like i mean <laughs> everywhere and I, today i was suggested in the morning when i came in i was like you know i was thinking 
let's maybe just put these upstairs for a while because they're out of the way. We don't need to go up there to get them. I mean, we'll have to go up there and get them, but we don't need to be stepping over them and like trying to work around them. And, and because, because our final shipping day is Tuesday next week. My birthday is our final shipping day. Nice slipping that in, by the way. Oh, yeah, nice. no problem. Uh, and then, and then we go, then we go into inventory. That's why I have to work the next, that's why I'm working this weekend because we need to prepare for inventory. Even though we have a trailer coming on Tuesday, so the day we get back from holiday, our final shipping day, we also have a trailer coming in, so we have to take everything off that trailer. It's a live load, so everything has to come off of it. And then we we have to I have to check it all off, put it aside. The, the good part is, is that the way I've been doing it, we our, our manager, branch manager, came out yesterday, and they were kind of going through like how we're going to do this, because we've never done this before. We've never had an inventory situation like this where... Almost, there's more stuff as orders than there are as actual stock in stock. So the manager was out yesterday and he's like, he's looking around and he said, well, if this is how Dave's organized everything, then this is perfect because we don't have to do anything with these boxes. We can just put tape on them or whatever, just mark them as, as, you know, not to be counted or whatever. We don't have to deal with any of this stuff. And that's another reason to put it up upstairs. So then it's just out of sight, out of mind. We don't have to worry about it once it's gone. And yeah, it's just, but it's just been crazy. It's just nuts. Like, like literally, literally today, my whole day was spent just like lifting up springs and boxes and stacking them on top of each other and writing numbers on them and marking them off. And, oh, it's just such a headache. So um, we we're supposed to get two more trailers. Wow. And our manager said, let's do this after inventory because there's no way we can bring in three trailers in a week where we we're supposed to be counting at the same time. So, but Edmonton was just like, oh, we're going to send them to you. Because I understand, like on their end, on their end, mm-hmm. they're like... It's kind of funny, our our branch manager got hired, but he'd never been to Edmonton. He'd never been to, like, our main, com- the, the, the complex there. He got hired, like, kind of via Zoom meetings, and then our owner came and, and interviewed him here, and then he was hired. And so last week, he went for meetings there, prior to inventory and stuff, and, and year-end and, and stuff. And so so he went there, and he came back, and I said, what do you think of, what do you think when you went there? And he goes, he goes, oh, my God, I think if I'd gone there... Before being employed, I wouldn't have taken the job. <laughs> he says, because it is so... He says, you can't even imagine how big it is there. Like, you think, imagine how big it is? I thought it was this big. It's not. It's three times bigger than I thought it was. He said, this is huge. There's like one aisle just for making parts that has 25 machines just click-clacking away, <laughs> putting, pumping out hinges and, you know, all, and all the little bits and pieces that we use just all day long. And he says, this, it's amazing. You go to where they're making the doors, and then you go to where they're putting the tra- getting the trailers ready. And he says, you know, you see it, and you go, well, no wonder they make mistakes, because it's just a madhouse. You know, there's you know, pallets for, because they have stuff piled up that's going to go to us, Kelowna, Calgary, yeah. Saskatchewan, like Saskatoon, Toronto. You know, so all everything has to be arranged. You know, they've got like three trucks going to us. They've got six trucks going to, to Toronto, and they're trying to like organize all the doors to go on and all the bits and pieces. And you know, he says it's this crazy. And he says you you can understand like what's going on. And I said, yeah. I said to be honest, I never get upset when we have something wrong. I mean, it's, we have to check everything. But you're like, well, I'm sure they're busy there. And plus, you know, they've hired like 30 new people for these jobs, and so everyone's just like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Wow. So yeah, it's this craziness. So it's it's. Uh, it's been, it's been an adventure. One thing I've learned, I keep learning is that, because one problem I have when I'm working is I'm like, I'll remember that. Oh, here's a problem. Don't worry, I'll remember that. Yeah. And I don't remember it because by the time I get to the other end of it, I get interrupted and I'm like pulled away for a day. And then when I come back to it, yeah. I don't remember. So I'm having to learn to like be more 
um, I already am. Like, I do take a lot of notes, but I have to be, I have to learn to like constantly be writing stuff out. Any kind of problem I see, make sure I note it down. So I'm not going to remember because <laughs> I am so overwhelmed right now. Like, and like I say, luckily I have a system. So I just, I'm just in the system because if I wasn't in the system, I would have no idea like what we're going to do, what's going on. I just like been so busy and so crazy. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I, just, I can't imagine what my, the warehouse manager is going through like, oh, because he has to get ready for this inventory. Like before, we would, for one thing, we had our inventory around Christmas time, which wasn't a great time to do inventory, but it was okay. And the thing was, we would like, we would count between Christmas and New Year's. That would be our inventory time. But we would stop shipping about mid-month. So that was, we would have like a two-week stretch without any sales or anything happening. During that time, we could clean up the warehouse, organize all the stuff to get counted, make sure all the doors we're on the correct stacks and just go through and sweep and get everything kind of cleaned up and all ready. And when Christmas came, we left, everything was spick and span and nice and tidy. And then we you know, have Christmas and then we come back and then we'd start our inventory stuff. And we could usually do our inventory in two and a half days. We'd be done. This time, our final day of shipping is the day before inventory starts. So we're going to stop shipping and then we have to like start preparing. Oh my God. Our inventory. So that's why we have to stretch it out into the week weekend because there's just no way that we can get everything ready to count Gosh. and then count it in that time period. It's just madness. And then the other problem is, is because of all the orders that are there, we need to go through and make sure that we clearly mark off what is orders and what is stock because those are two different things. Even though they're in the system, they're in the system as orders. They're not in the system as stock. So they're not part of our inventory. They're separate from it. And so everything that's come in for them, all the components of the doors are all separate. And it, oh, it's just a mess, mess. So that's this weekend. We're dealing with that. And the next weekend we'll be counting. And one of these days, life will return to normal. Now, are you the only... Um, okay. So the main branch or whatever spot is Edmonton. That's where the That's right. That's where everything is made. And, yeah. Okay. So is there any other uh, place in Canada that does what you do or are you it? No, no. There's other branches that... that um, Ship. Ship out, yeah. Stack and ship. And yeah, yeah. All this. Okay. yeah. How many other branches are there? So there's Kelowna, Calgary, Saskatoon, and Toronto. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so I think Toronto's the biggest, but I think we actually are beating them in terms of sales right now. I don't okay. Know, It'd be interesting to see who their Dave is. <laughs> Who's your parallel? I don't know. Like Toronto's interesting because apparently there was some problems there. And some of the guys from our warehouse went there and, and helped them set up their system. Mm-hmm. And organize all their doors oh. and got everything all all ship ship. That always there. feels good to do that to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So there's that that yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Those exactly of you that are like. not from Canada, there's a little rivalry with Toronto and the rest of Canada. It's one of those east west things. Yeah, even though they're not truly mm, east. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but you know, that's right. I mean, though, you know, the Maritimes also have similar feelings about Toronto, and they're even easter than, uh, <laughs> it's true. than them. It's, it's kind of, well, Toronto is the center of the universe. That's right. The Canadian universe, and so, yeah. And so sometimes it's nice to just go, uh, oh, let me fix that for you. Mm-hmm. And you feel like, uh, yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like Toronto are less dismissive of us, and I miss that. You miss, miss the snobitude? I miss, I miss, just miss the fact that they didn't care about us, and, yeah. you know, but now they're all moving here. Mm-hmm. So sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's not as bad as, say, you know, when I meet someone from New York and they discuss New York and you're just like, oh, you mean the sun ironically. <laughs> oh, greatest city in the world. Ah, so, 
You've been around the world? <laughs> no much, no. Hmm. Okay, fine. Well, All right. I've read The New Yorker, and it's and the thing, like, what's going on, like, the kind of the listings in the front of the magazine. When you look at, like, all the movies and stuff that are playing there, like, all the revival and stuff like that, all the re- revival movie theaters. Yeah. It does make me jealous that they have so much choice. Sure. And opportunity. I mean, probably if I lived there, I wouldn't even go out to those places. But I know. And then you well, go. I'm but, too busy. But then you go, like, okay, now I'm going to go back to my uh, apartment. And, uh, oh, what's the roach situation like? You know what I mean? <laughs> sure, like, you sure. know, do you feel clean right now? Uh, yeah. How much am I paying for rent? Jesus Christ, what? And it's like, well, I'm going to go to the park. Which park? What do you mean, which park? You're going to go to the park. Well, it's a big park. It's a nice park. Yeah. But it's the park. Yeah. That's the one you're going to go to. Not, you're talking about Gramercy Park. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Oh, I tell you, you know. <laughs> No, I love, I, I do love New York very, very much. But the, you know, when I'm, when I'm there, I'm like, yeah, would you like to live here? I, it seems a little intense <laughs> all 24 seven. Like, you know, I gotta you, go. To, I thought you liked 24 seven. I do. No, no, no. I mean, like the intensity being 24 oh, okay, seven. Okay. It's just like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get a bagel. Okay. Get ready for this. We're leaving. <laughs> Got to gird we're your going, loins. Yeah, we're going outside. It's not like you know. We're you know you leave you go for a walk in Vancouver. It's dirty, 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 and you know it doesn't. Yeah. You're gonna be fine. The worst sure. thing that's gonna happen is a crow's gonna like peck your head. Mm. Um, but there, you know, it's uh, be some trouble. You know, there might be someone, and if there's trouble, it's trouble. Yeah, like it's. Trouble. Seriously, it's capital T, capital T trouble, you know. Here in River no City? messing around, yeah. 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 Uh, so, so yeah, you know, I don't know if it's you know the great, you know, I would would I put like London before New York for, for where I'd want to live, probably. Okay. Yeah, I think I, you know, again, yeah. it's like crazy expensive, and I'm saying this as a person who lives in Vancouver. <laughs> but uh, sure, I don't really worry. Like, I guess I, I, I feel like. You know, I don't really worry that much about like like roaches, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a big deal for, you know, my wife cuz she did grow up in like New Jersey and New York. Yeah. And, you know, that they were an issue. You mm. know, it's just like you wake up and there's ugh, you know, and uh, that kind of stuff. And we don't really have that here, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. It's yeah. very nice. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. So I just have a I had a slight rat problem, but other than that. Yeah. It feels a little different, the rat situation, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've had we've had you know rat issues as well. And oh yeah, you had your your whole rat situation, you know, <laughs> as described last week. Mm-hmm. I did replace my uh, I replaced my my door sill on, on the door that I, I don't know why I put it off for so long until it was a rotting mess. But these things happen. Yeah, they do. You step over and you go, I'll fix that later. And then the day comes and you're like, well, I better fix that. It was such an easy fix. It was ridiculous that I took so long to do it. My excuse was I didn't know what how wide my door was. <laughs> Did you measure it? I didn't measure it. I how would I do that? You know, with those uh, rulers over there. There's <laughs> a measuring tape. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what size ruler do I use? I'll have to measure <laughs> the tape with a ruler, and then I got to get two rulers now. It's like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly my problem. No, my last my last place. We had a laundry room, but there was a rat in it. Mm. And so, yeah, you had to go in and make a lot of noise and then, you know, <laughs> scare the rat away. And they're like, yeah. how long will I be scaring this rat with this noise? <laughs> so, and, it's, so it's tired of the noise and realizes yeah. you're not much of a threat. Right. And then, and so we, we tried like uh, doing some scent stuff where, you know, rats don't like these smells. So we were putting little scent bombs around and, 
Ah, uh, it's just who's fooling who? You know, it doesn't give a shit. It's a rat. It's a, it eventually they'll just go like you know, yeah. Fuck it. I just went straight to the poison. Yep. Just all out murder. Yep. Straight out, straight out rat murder. Yeah. Hey, sorry, rats. I'm perfectly fine with them. Like out there. Yeah. If they're out in the woods, that's great. It's where you belong. Stay there's there, rats. A, there's a line. Exactly. Yeah. And they crossed it. The line was my that my door. My like grandmother's the they went, they was the was famous for like a rat popping out of the fireplace and her just grabbing like a spade and just like kabam <laughs> and you know uh, that's the end of uh, Mr. Radigan because <laughs> uh, you know she's from an era where see a rat kill a rat yeah no messing around me too yeah I'm famous for my killing a rat at work with a pellet so because it, it was. It ran out from underneath the pellet, and I just picked up the pellet, and I threw it on the rat. <laughs> that was the end of the rat. I mean, I felt bad. Yeah, of course you feel bad. But, You're not a sociopath. But at the same time, I have to see how that's my reaction to, to vermin. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's a deep, it's a, I think it's a deep reaction. Yeah, a deep uh, reaction, you yeah. know? Well, I, my family goes back to the plague, so... You, you, your family caused the plague, <laughs> if I'm remembering yes, correctly. my family. Dedrick Norvegicus. Yeah. That was us. We yeah, you were always daring people to lick things. <laughs> hey, you lick that, I'll give you uh, tuppence. <laughs> or a hay penny or a shilling. I don't know what's more. Why, why are you saying me? A hay penny is half a penny. Yeah. What do you say, a shilling? Yeah. I think that's more than a hay penny for sure. Is a shilling more than a pound? Or is a shilling a pound? There you got me. Okay. I think a shilling is not a pound. How about tuppence? A tuppence is two pence, so no. Oh, so a hay penny it's half a penny is a quarter of a tuppence. Yes. Okay. When I went to England the first time, there were still half pennies there. What did they look like? They were quite small, very were they small. Smaller than a penny. Yeah, very small. What was funny is the five cent piece was ginormous, <laughs> and yeah. then and then the uh, I guess there was a fifty p. I mean, I wasn't there for I wasn't there for this. I'm I was there, you know, post decimalization of the pound. Right. So I, I wasn't there for like the farthings and all the rest of that weird. Right. They could you look at a you get a book from England? It would be like you know one something and then nine D. It would say or something like that, and you'd be like, "What does it even mean?" Nine D. Okay. Dense. Yeah, we confuse Americans, and we've got dollars just like them. Yeah. You know, it's just like uh, I don't get this. What do you mean you don't get it? It's dollars. Like we break down the with the exception of you know we've got dollar coins. Yeah. But to be fair, so do you. So do you. Go to the post office. They will give you dollar coins. You'll get mad about it. You go, I don't want these. And you go like, eh, take them. <laughs> and then they give you a $2 bill and you go, this isn't real. It's like, it is. <laughs> you have these. It's true. Yeah. They'll be like, eh, eh. you, it's you. This is your culture, not mine. <laughs> yeah. I once got like change at a parking lot in Seattle and it was all $1 coins. Yeah. And the whole day I made people mad. Oh, completely them. mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought some stamps uh, at a machine, and it was, and I'm like full of Sacagaweas. I'm like, all right. Everyone's, everyone's, if give it to somebody, they have like their brows would furrow. Like, what is this? Yeah. I don't know. It's your money. I don't. Let me try buying a Snapple with it at a machine. Don't take these. What do you mean, machine? Come on, machine. But I, I can't help but think, machine, you're a little racist that you won't take the Sacagawea. Uh, coins or perhaps sexist maybe machine both. maybe both yeah you're not you're not having a good look here snapple <laughs> um but I, to be fair i remember like working when i worked a long time ago in the parking lots when they were bringing in the the loony p 
people were really like I would give it as change. People would be like, "Can I have a dollar? Like, can I have a bill?" Be like, "Oh, okay, give my bill." But eventually, all the bills were gone, and there was just just loonies. I'm reading Rick Mercer's. Uh, uh, finished reading Rick Mercer's book, and he was talking about uh, the Talking to Americans segment that he used to do on 22 Minutes. Oh, that seems so. Did how did he talk about that? Because it felt like yeah. really condescending. But yeah, okay. yeah, oh, completely condescending, and so he stopped doing it. Okay. Uh, but you know, so so he, he mentioned that it, it was condescending. He said it was condescending. Oh well, they you grew out of it. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. You feel bad about it later, and yeah. then you go like, oh, give me. Um, but at the time, it was woo. Yeah, yeah. People loved it. Um, but you know, so <laughs> they, they don't know the metric system. So they yeah, so they go like to Harvard and they you know be yeah. talking to people about you know congratulate you know Canada on a uh, hundred miles of paved road and stuff like that, and you know uh, talk about how you know our uh, our our national igloo was based on their capital building and this kind of thing. But, you know, we actually do sign bills in there. But the problem now is because of global warming, it's dripping. And, you know, it's getting all the papers wet. And so, you know, it'd be like this kind of stuff. And yeah, it's like, yeah. we wish us congratulations on our national igloo. Yeah. And so they do that kind of stuff. So, uh, and of but, course, they don't, they don't run the guys who go, there's not national igloo in Canada. More often than not, though. Yeah. Uh, they they went along with it because they looked like they were the news. Mm. So you just like buy whatever the news says, with the exception of mm. when he was talking about the loony. Okay. And it was like, so we have the loony. I was like, what's that? Well, that's our dollar. It's called the loony. No, it's not. And it was like, no one would believe that we had a dollar called the loony. <laughs> so he would make up all this shit. Yeah. And that'll, mm-hmm. But like the, he would quite often have real stuff about Canada. Like, yeah. that's not real. Looney, yeah, and what's the two two call? Toonie. <laughs> no. Well, this because it was. It sounds bullshitty, right? It sounds bullshitty. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like, yeah, so they wouldn't they, they wouldn't buy that. So, but they would buy the uh, other stuff. That makes me that makes me miss buying things with real money. That we can't. I don't really use loonies and toonies very much anymore. Yeah, I'm hoping people will uh, buy stuff on the weekend with uh, dough. Yeah. Like I'm gonna have a float. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh, <laughs> float. Nice, because it is nice too. At the end of the day, if you've sold a bunch of stuff to like have a pocket full of cash, mm-hmm. you know, again, because you know that's the difference between walking around in New York and walking around in Vancouver. You walk around in Vancouver with your pocket full of cash, you don't feel like, oh, this is dangerous. But in New York, well, I'm a fucking idiot to have this here. Sure. I'm uh, I'm Bruce Wayne's parents right now. This I deserve whatever happens to me. Shame on me. Shame on me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, at home they are um, they're actually doing stuff in the basement. I was going to ask about your basement. Yeah, they came in and they they have um, removed. Well, I don't know if I mentioned this, but in my family room, mm-hmm. I had along the base, like along the wall, like it's it's, it's a basement, Basically, right? Dave had a flood in his in his basement. Kind of like a flood. It was more like a soaking. I had a sponging happen, but anyway, so soaking sounds like what they did to you afterwards financially. <laughs> yeah, that's good next to come. But um, like in our basement, there's like a wall. Okay. There's like a foundation wall. All right. And the walls are built on that. Okay. But the foundation wall is thicker than our walls. Our walls are two by fours. And the foundation is like six inches wide, let's say. And so in the house, it slightly, you know, it slightly sticks out, you know, so it's not like a flush. Okay. Uh, and so I built my bookshelves on top of that. So they're not, they, they're like two feet off the ground because they sit on, they rest on this wall. And so I decided I was going to like put like a, a paneling along the bottom but at the time i thought it would would look kind of weird because it would be too far back okay that makes and so i used some yeah. spacers like i used some two by fours of spacers 
and then I attached and I glued those to the drywall with a commercial, like with a, whatever you call it, like, you know, glue, constru- construction glue. And then, and then I, I nailed the paneling to that. And I, I got this pine, uh, like, um, you know, paneling because it was, because it had been damaged and they were selling it really cheaply at the hardware store. And I thought I could use it because I could cut, cut it and cut out the part that was damaged and I could use the rest of it because I wasn't using like full lengths. Okay. I was using partial lengths. Like it was just sort of like a, a wainscoting around part of it and then it was just, it was underneath the bookshelves around the rest of it. So all that's been torn out now. And then they've torn out the, taken out the drywall as well and revealed the, the rather shoddy looking foundation walls under, behind that. So they did that in the main kind of family room, book room area. And then in our, sec- in our bedroom downstairs, they've also like taken all the paneling and stuff out of there. And then they also did that in the, in the kind of kitchen area as well. And then the laundry room. And so the problem with that, though, is that they detached all the plumbing downstairs, Ooh. except for the bathroom, which is good, because that's all we have for a shower or bath is the shower downstairs because of our current taking forever um, thingy upstairs. So anyway... Um, so yeah, we have, don't have a, we don't have a, we don't have a washer dryer right now. They're both oh geez. they're both sitting in the middle of the room, detached from all from all. Uh, so you're going to laundromats? Oh, not yet. I'm gonna talk to my uh, brother-in-law tomorrow and see if we can go over there and use their okay their washing machine. But I think there'll be a way at their cabin, so they won't mind us using their. Sorry, I would have said like just bring it over today. Oh. Just use ours during this. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Okay, I'm sure they'll be fine with that so all right if it is a if it is a situation next week though you know we basically have three hours to kill here it'll be the perfect <laughs> amount of time that's true but uh yeah no it'll be it'll be really okay they already offered us the use of their shower when we were uh, i also know uh, a laundry room where there's a rat and if you can fight that rat <laughs> then you've got access to the thing well there you go it's uh you know i'm pretty good with rats over time yeah just bring a pallet i bring a pallet with me we call this cleansing the pallet <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me throwing it. Yep. What a what a memory. What a memory. Everyone, now that I think about it, everyone that that happened with are almost all gone from work now. Oh, so it's like uh, the ring thing. Like What's the that? rat was cursed. And the rat so was like, cursed. You know, <laughs> I don't know if it was that. But he's like, I'm taking you all with me. And it's like, out he, out he went. And it was just like, one by one, you all get picked. It's more like, I know what you did last summer uh type situation sure. so all the witnesses sure. to the to the rat uh death you know are just all uh, disappear in various cheese related or trap related rat things well i'm sure i've talked about this before but it's weird like when you start at a new place and everything's in everything's set up and when you come in you're like well this is how it is and this is how it'll always be because these are the people who work here sure and i'm joining this group of people yeah and then we're just going to work together oh a person left that's weird Oh, another person's gone. Oh, strange. And now another person's gone. Oh my gosh. Another person got moved out. Now they're in the office. So now, yeah. okay. And this person's quit. Oh, okay. This person got moved into the office. Okay. That leaves me. I'm now the second yeah. senior person here. You're Conan O'Brien. You were the new guy in the late night world. And now yeah. you're the, uh, yeah, the old, the old spokesman. The yeah. old uh, guy's uh, <laughs> the longest run. Yeah. And I was like, hey, yeah, yeah. But it's not even that long. It's just so weird. Like the turnover is is uh, is interesting. But it's one of that's a. I think it's a. <coughs> it's a hard job. So people yeah. people go. You know There's what? Turnover. I'm good. I've had enough of this. I'm going. Yeah. So long, everyone. It's a job. It's not a career for some people. It's like I'm here to make money. I don't think it's a career. It's a job. You're right. Yeah. It's not a career. It's not a. It's not a viable career job. 
because you just the attrition would just kill it would just wear you down to the point where it's time you're like i gotta i gotta get out of here and i'm feeling that right now because what i'm doing now feel, feels to me like harder than what i was doing before you know just because there's this so much more lifting and and uh and carrying and, and stuff and you're doing it by yourself i think it's also been you know last two years obviously you know people have been like huh what do i want out of life you know because mm. there's been a lot of hmm you know stepping back sure. and looking at things and going sure. oh. perspective yeah well, as they say in spinal tap too much bloody perspective <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's probably yeah. it that's probably true i mean i think that's very true and i, I you know i think it's interesting like like nina third dragon uh co-author second of reference to her so far co-author of sparks she uh she posted a picture of like a jolly bees is hiring yeah and they had like a poster and it was 1575 an hour and i was like hmm, that's a little too close to minimum wage i mean mcdonald's is having trouble getting people to be hired and i think i mentioned going to did I mention going to valley village no i haven't talked so the other way other day i went to valley village because I went to get an oil change nearby, and I just thought, oh, got to go to Valley Village. I'm nearby. So I went in, and when I... I the bought, one that's over here or a different one? No, this was in Abbotsford. Okay. And I bought some uh, I bought some CDs, and I bought a book. And when I left, the lady stapled this thing to my receipt. And so I was looking at it, and it was like, come join our team. Yeah. $750 signing bonus for joining Valley Village. I was thinking, man, it must be hard to get people to work for... for Minimum wage right now, like, that's not a hard job. I mean, it's probably not a great job, but you think it's a hard job? Uh, I think probably sometimes people that are in there that you have to get out of there. Yeah, that's job. probably makes it, yeah, probably yeah. the people. And I remember going in there one time very near, not at closing time, but very close to closing time. And this very frustrated kid was like, everyone, remember, we got to close and blah, blah, you know. But I was just like, well, I'm not going to be too long. I've seen a lot of arguments that are in value. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to have to. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's probably like retail plus a certain element of like, yeah. You got to negotiate. You got to, yeah. yeah. There's a certain kind of... I'm bringing these back. Okay, you got a receipt? No. Okay, no. Well, I'm not just taking these pants. It's that. But then you also have to deal with pickers, which are like people who go into thrift shops and stuff like that they're like they'll line up in the morning yeah so they can get in to get see the first to be there first to see go through the first stuff yeah Yeah. and they're always looking for stuff they can like you know sell on you know and and, uh greatly resented by the people who work in those stores you know for whatever reason and i know this because my mom works in a thrift store in langley at the hospital auxiliary store and she uh resents so much people going in and buying things like recognizing value that they don't see yeah you know and she's just like we're selling stuff for $2 and they're, they're, they're selling it for $20. Like, you know, for example, we're like, yeah, but you're getting what you wanted. Like you're getting $2. What you wanted for it was $2. Just because they are selling it for 20. Yeah. doesn't make you, it doesn't invalidate what you got for I it. I get that, but I know a person who does this. Yeah. And like, to me, there's a bit of, you know, okay, there's two things. Uh, but the main thing I think is like, there's the, there's the idea of like, you go into Value Village and yeah. you're going to find something. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. This is really, you know, and there's that. But the people have taken and picked through and taken all the oh, wows away. Yeah. So now it's like, well, it's it, okay. It's worse than that now because it's the people in the back who've taken all the oh, wows away. Because uh-huh. people will get jobs there and then they'll just go through and they'll, they'll take out the stuff that's really cool. Yeah. And so bad. by the time it comes out, you've, it's already. I like, mean, this is the, this is the thrill of the garage sale mm-hmm. is the walking through and just going, huh, what do you got? Some albums here? 
This is not. Oh. <laughs> okay. And so, well, you know, sure. and you'll pick up a couple other things too. But, and Yeah. You know. But it's timing as well. Like, you just have to be lucky. Yeah. You know, and, and you'll stumble upon something that's great, you know? Like, I but found... if you knew that, like, before you got there, someone went through to every garage sale and oh, got everything yeah. of value, yeah. and just be like, mm, all right, well. You but know. I mean, everything of value, but it might not be everything of value to you. True. Like, you know, often I'll see people in the CD section and I'll be like, ah, oh, damn, they're probably taking all the good ones. But then they don't. They just take, like, the common ones. They just take the stuff that I'm not, I don't know, interested in Yeah, but in if that. there was another Dave before you, yeah, you'd of course. be like, oh, that sucks. Dave. Of course that sucks. But, I mean, yeah. that's that's part of the, you know, like, you can still stumble in. Like, a little while ago, I, I, on my way to the dentist, I'm sure I talked about this, I, like, went in and I bought, like, 40 books. 40 science fiction books because someone's this great like British collection of science fiction that they'd had you know for whatever and they got rid of it and then part of it showed up at this Valley Village and I was like I will take all these books now the next person who went in they didn't know they were there but they would probably would have been disappointed they knew that I'd got got there first but that's that's life the other day I found um, Ursula K. Le Guin's The Lathe of Heaven which I've been looking for for quite a while because I was absolutely positively certain that I had bought it before but I could not find it in any in, in my shelves downstairs and i i'd be like I, I remember when i was thought it was there i was like i'll just walk over to my ursula k Le Guin collection and i walked over to it it wasn't there i was like did i make this up it's always frustrating when that happens i'm absolutely positively certain that i owned the first public image limited album i remember playing it i remember having it yeah and then i went to play it you know a while this is a while ago a while ago and i couldn't find it and i was so mad i was like i know i had this record i don't know where it went to Someone's stolen it. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I always take it, but I probably just misfiled it. But who knows? So uh, I, I guess I feel like you went in, you saw these books, and you bought the books, and that's fine. Yeah. But you didn't like line up in the morning. No, no, it was absolutely like, to go luck, in yeah. and like gut the book collection. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was just like you just randomly went in, yeah. recognized some value, bought the thing. That's nice. That's well, fine. The important thing is it's value to me. Yeah, like yeah. I'm not looking. I'm not gonna flip those books like those books are gonna go onto my shelves well they'll they'll be loved yeah it's like again there's nothing technically wrong with it but it almost feels like an unspoken thing of just like look <laughs> yeah it feels a little selfish sure. to me but you know they're, they're, i mean yeah i used to know a guy who would go into value village yeah do and and then he'd like have all the stuff in the back of his car mm. and then like i'd be doing shows with him and then afterwards he'd go let's all go back to my car and, you know, it'd be all this stuff. And I'm like, ah, this is your size. This is your size. And you also do the, I got this thinking of you. And I'm yeah. Like, oh, oh, his boy. guilt with that. <laughs> but he's doing a markup and he's yeah. profiting from it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, because I took the time. You took the time to profit from yeah. this. And it's like, okay. And it's fine. You know, you're, you got a trunk full of dead man's pants. <laughs> and it's fine. It's fine. If they're really, really nice, you're like, mm, someone died. And this is the estate. <laughs> and this is fine. And did he die in these pants? Yeah. You know, who knows? Well, what's nice is I'll go over to David's and see David and he'll have like some books and things that he's found at Valley Village for me. Mm. You know, like he's given me like great, like a whole DVD collection of Jane Austen, BBC stuff, you know, like old 70s shows that were you know, like gold to me. Like that's like, yeah. And he just gives them to me. He doesn't like, it's not like, oh, you know, this cost no. me this all. I'll sell it to you for this amount. And I was just like, that's, oh, where here, the, thought, that's where the joy I saw these in, and yeah. I thought of you, basically, for reals. Yeah. <laughs> and, not, and I had another friend like that, too, another, uh, my other friend Ian, who uh, was a, a real, like, haunter of those sort of places and, and uh, would often come up with great stuff, you know. Say, oh, I bought these for you, you know. 
This is a this is a problem I have often with Christmas or birthdays, where it's like if I see something that like I think a friend would like, I'll get it, mm-hmm. uh, and like I'll do that through the year. Yeah. So that like when it's birthday times, like Ugh, well, I don't know. <laughs> you gonna specifically do this now yeah, or yeah. whatever? You know, especially with like Pia, it's like, oh no, she'd like this. I'll get it for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, you should save it and then wrap it up and then give it to Christmas. <laughs> like, um, so you can come to Christmas and just like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, everything you'd like. Yeah. And so on and so forth. So uh, was that your uh, Value Village story or was there a Value Village story connected to that? Because you were like, oh, I got to tell you about Value Village well, and the oil change. Just because I was thinking about that, because I was thinking about that Jollibee's and the fact that I'm like, yes. like you know, they're just, they're just basically paying a little bit over minimum wage. I think it's 50 cents over minimum wage they're okay. offering. 55 cents over minimum wage. And I just, and that's and I what makes that, you jolly. Yeah. Not making much. I just thought, oh, that's interesting that... I just thought, well, they're going to have trouble finding people to work there. Because who wants to work for that? I mean, I know that, like, from what I grew up earning, that's a, that seems like good money. Yeah. But it's not. It's not good at all. No, because, you know, you got to pay rent and you got to do things. <laughs> yes. And if you're living in... Yeah. yeah. At least if you're living in Vancouver, mm-hmm. good luck with that. That you and your roommates uh, enjoy yourself because you got to get a lot of roommates for that. <laughs> I just yeah. I bought a book um, that's a comic book uh, called Poor Craft. Okay. And it's about living thriftily, mm. and uh, but without ramen. And and yeah, they they really break down how to uh, live uh, a thrifty thrifty life, which would have been. Very useful to me back in the day. Uh, I got it because they're they're coming out with the cookbook version of it. And I like okay. I like that idea. But there are recipes in in this that are like, and here's how you shop, and here's how you shop. You know, if I, uh, you know efficiently, and then you can use this food to make more food later, and this stuff keeps forever, and you buy this in bulk. It was like, oh, it's all really really good good advice. I was going to buy a book like that at um, uh, at um, whatever it's called. Uh, Van Caff a little while ago, like a couple years ago. Oh, is that right? Yeah, there was a, a woman from Iron Spike. Iron Spike, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. She was selling it, and that yeah, but she had sold out by the time I got I got to her yeah, table. It's very popular. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Poor Craft: The Funny Book Fundamentals of Living Well on Less by Spike Trotman. Yes, but she goes by Iron Spike on yes. um, on on Twitter and yeah. in her book title or yeah. in her book her her, her uh, authorial name her pen name is uh, yes. Yeah, the, but yeah, she's got uh, doing a crowd a crowdfunder right now for the new um, uh, Porecraft uh, cookbook. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But it was it was interesting. Her uh, she doesn't do the art. The art style actually looks a lot like Nina Paley. Okay. Is that kind of sure that style. yeah that rubbery rubbery limbed style. I mean, and I did, and like I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh, this is all really smart. Yeah, I could have really used this. And then there was a bit of me that was like. This is really depressing me. It's really depressing me to think about like how I used to live. Oh boy, this is really bumming me out. <laughs> oh, I should. Uh, yeah, so that's is that really right? good advice. How come, but, it's, like, how come it's bumming you out? This. Do, uh, do you think because you think you were dumb? Well, there was there was that, but also just rem- reminds me of you know just the scrambling, just mm, the scrambling. Yeah, like there's there's t- there's times when I think back on you know how I used to live. And just go like, why did I buy minute rice? Like, like that's just something I keep coming back to. It's just like minute rice. Yeah. Well, there was rice, but like no one, like 
to me, rice was, well, how long do you cook it for? And if you cook it for the wrong amount of time, then you've ruined your rice. Yeah. But I didn't realize that you could also, you know, take like some rice, like basmati rice, and just boil it like pasta. Mm-hmm. And you just boil it for 10 minutes. And now you strain it. And now you got rice. And you can buy infinite basmati rice for cheap. Yeah. And you could back then. Yeah. What the fuck? Why did I not know this? Why was I buying minute rice? That's dumb. Just so dumb. Why didn't yeah. I know that rice and beans could get you through all these hard times? Sure, sure. Why didn't I know how to make pancakes? Mm. Why didn't I know how to, you know, buy fruit? Like, why Why didn't I know how to do these things? And I just I just didn't. It's so weird. But yeah, it kind of bums me out to, like, read these read these things. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's... it's, it's I mean... I guess we grew up at a time when our parents didn't teach, didn't want to teach us those things. You know, like it's weird. I don't know what it, I don't know why. Yeah, like I'd uh, I'd buy packs of pudding, you know, uh, instant pudding. Yeah, and I'm like making pudding isn't hard. <laughs> it's not like, and it's just like yeah. all these things that I just had no idea how to make. That yeah. like I make now and just go, well, that's easy. That's a simple thing to make. Yeah, like what when, the fuck? when you moved out. Your mom should have given you something like like the Betty Crocker cookbook, like a simple guide like that that kind of has all the things you need to know about yeah. making these things that are easy to make. You know, like I make bread like, now. I can make bread. <laughs> Bread's not hard to make. Yeah, you know, it's like a little. It's, it's a little bit of effort, but there's yeah. other. You it's know, time consuming, but it's not. It's, it's not time like consuming. Yeah. yeah, but like you know, when I was like hungry. And you know, I'm in my I'm in my apartment. I could have made bread. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like not many ingredients. Here we go. Let's do this. And it's just so strange to me. Yeah. You know, think about it. And then yeah, it's nice that they got this book that uh, kind of breaks that down. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's called Poor Craft: A Funny Book Fundamentals on Living Well on on Less. If you want to see it, I'm done. I'm done with it. You're welcome to borrow. You're it done with it. Want, I'm over this book. Well, no, I've just read it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, uh, but it's uh, but it's quite interesting, and I do look forward to the uh, cookbook. I, I'm a big fan of comic book cookbooks. Oh, really? Yeah, I I, I really absorb things well when it's in comic book form. Mm, I'm like, okay, okay, I get it, mm, got it. Mm. And now I can make this later. I've, I'm reading one right now on dumplings that I'm really enjoying. Yeah, yeah. for me, it's hieroglyphics, and I can remember <laughs> it absolutely. Yeah. Oh, also uh, one of my favorites, which I should plug because it's my uh, my friend Robin's. Uh, it was uh, Scrambled Brains. Okay. Uh, she did a uh, cookbook um, yeah, that had some marijuana recipes in the back. Wink, <laughs> wink. Uh, but no, there were some really good recipes in it. Right. Just like how to make your own mayonnaise. Mm. Just like, yeah. Why can't That's I not make mayonnaise? I could make mayonnaise. Yeah. yeah. I, I did not know this. <laughs> I just, I honestly, I just think back on me and my roommate Al. And yeah. just like. Uh, who had a birthday this week? Happy birthday, Al! You're not listening to this, but if you were, then happy birthday! Happy birthday! Uh, Al. And we just ate shit. Like we ate so bad. He yeah. worked at Seven Eleven. Yeah. He'd bring back the expired sandwiches. Uh, the bread would expire before the meat, so he'd peel the meat off and he'd, he'd use the meat for sandwiches. And I'm just like, what were we doing? What were we doing? <laughs> just teenage boys. Teenage boys that should have known better. <laughs> Could have known better. Yeah. Could have known better. It's not... My nephew and niece know how to cook now. Yeah. They cook fine. Sure. Yeah. Eve, Eve learned to cook as well. Yeah. Like, she just did it. She said, I'm going to cook and not... Yeah, I know. It's, to, me, it's, to me, it's amazing how much more competent my daughters are compared to, to what I was at that age. Mm-hmm. Like, I was incompetent. They're, they're very competent. I mean, they're not competent at everything, obviously, but, you know, most of the, like, getting 
through life things they know how to do. They know how to cook, make soup, yeah. eat at home, yeah. you know, keep a clean place, be comfortable. And yeah, I just, those are all things that I had to learn. And I'm, yeah, I don't know. I'm not too sure why I mean, maybe our generation is... was just kind of like thrown into the wolves as if, as if we were supposed to magically know how to do these well, things. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, for your daughters, you know, they're like, oh, how do, <laughs> how do I make this? Oh, let me look it up. That's how I make it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Now I'll mm-hmm. make it. You know, where they got access to every cookbook in the world, mm-hmm. you know, in visual form. So, you know, we if if James Barber didn't make it on the Urban Peasant, okay. how would I freaking know how to mm-hmm. make it? If you know Stephen Yan didn't make it on Walk with Yan, how would I? And I don't have a walk. Uh, how would I know how to make it? There's no way. You know, I learned to cook some things because, like, I had um, you know uh, girlfriends that would come over and just like, well, I'll show you how to make this. And I'm like, oh, that's how I learned how to make this. There you are. Or, you know, I had a friend who happened to work at Mr. Mike's, and so he'd show me how to cook a steak. Oh, and the good. only reason he knew how to cook a steak yeah. was because he worked at Mr. Mike's. <laughs> and if you asked him to cook anything else, he had no freaking idea. <laughs> but he knows when a steak's done. Sure. Yeah. But like I say, that's what, you know, when I became like a, a dad and had to figure out, that's what I like. Like Lisa had this Betty Crocker book that she was given when she was a teenager by by a family friend. And it just seemed like they have whatever you needed. Like if you were like, I've never made a baked potato before. You can just look it up in potatoes, and it told you how to, told you how to make a baked potato, and you're like, oh, okay, that's good to know, you know. Or like seriously, I didn't, I had never done those things in my whole life, you know. So I had to, you know, how do you make rice? This is how you make rice. How do you do this? There's how you do it, you know. I'm not looking at Betty Crocker cookbooks. <laughs> it's got the Betty Crocker best 100 favorite recipes from America's most trusted cook. The, uh, the woman who doesn't exist. The woman who doesn't exist. The, the problem with the Betty Crocker cookbook is that it's Betty Crocker is a brand that owns other brands, you know, so there'll be like quick mashed potatoes, use sheriffs, instant mashed potatoes, stuff like that, right? You're like, well, that's not really mashed potatoes, guys. That's fake mashed potatoes. Yeah, that's true. Now I'm looking now. The Betty Crocker cookbook is for sale. Mm-hmm. The 12th edition, everything you need to know to cook from scratch. I mean, everyone loves my pie. Everyone loves my pie and they always compliment my crust and that's just from a Betty Crocker cookbook. That's all it is. It's not from a fancy cookbook or from a YouTube the video. pie is on the cover. It's just a pie crust from pie Betty Crocker. Pie is on the cover for a it's reason, a, probably. It's a very good pie crust. Okay. You know, those are good things to know. How do you stuff a turkey? I don't know. I'll look it up in this book. There it is. And I'm more of a book person, for sure. Like, that's what I'm used to, you know. When I when I became a dad, there was no YouTube. Or there was, yeah, there was no YouTube. There's a hardcover edition and there's a loose leaf edition. Well, that's what we have is, but it's a hardcover loose leaf edition. I guess the loose one is like a ring binder kind of idea. The one we have is like has snap open rings, like a ring binder Ah. with a hardcover. And then the problem with those, of course, is that all all of the pages fall out over time because they they get pulled on and and the three three holes start to loosen out and you lose bits and pieces of it, so... It's uh, the con. The table of contents is uh, in a- is uh, no longer extant. Yeah. It's in bits and pieces. Now you got uh, you got uh, you got me interested here. I'm going to leave this page open. I you know I'm not saying it's the best cookbook in the world, nope. obviously, but it's it's a good it's a good primer for like you know just living. Well, living there's all life. these cookbooks that I well some of the cookbooks I like now. Or something like a Jamie Oliver five ingredient cookbook, or okay. like a three ingredient cookbook for okay. somebody, and I'm like boy, one of those would have really like done well <laughs> for me. Yeah. And now I'm thinking about it, like they must have had cookbooks at the library. I probably could have like you know, yeah, gotten gotten one from there. Once again, just a big, just a dumb dumb. <laughs> it's not that you were dumb. It's just that yeah. you were sent into the world 
unprepared for yeah. like what the world was. They also know? they also have a good breakdown of just like you know not really say how to save your money, but how much you should be spending on rent. And this yeah, and the other yeah. and whatever. And then, of course, they have the thing of like, and you should be saving this percentage of your income every every month, which they look at and laugh and laugh <laughs> and just like, I don't know where this magic money is coming in that you're uh, talking about. It's kind of like, yeah, when I when I at the accountant, is like, so how much do you put into RSP, uh, RSVPs, RRSPs? And I'm like, just laugh and laugh that there was <laughs> spare money that you're talking about. It's just, it's a delight. Mm-hmm. We, all, mm-hmm. we all have a good time and rub our bellies and just <laughs> roll on the floor and roll on the floor <laughs> and just go like and then and then we start weeping openly and then break out the whiskey yeah um and like can i write this whiskey off since i'm drinking it at the accountant's office I'm like sure it's an entertainment <laughs> expense why not <laughs> why not but no i do like uh, i do like the book and i'll uh i'll i'll, sh- I'll show you it afterwards because it cool. is worth a read yeah so uh, like I say, it sounded interesting at the time. It was when I was a, when I was a teenager, or not a teenager. When I was young, younger, I bought a book called "How to Live on Nothing," which is a book on similar thing, like being very thrifty and. Yeah. But it was written in the seventies, so their idea of like living on nothing, those things were like impossible in the nineties. You know what I mean? Like reading it, it's like find a field where you can put up, build a house. Like you just can't go to a field to build a house, you weirdos. <laughs> I'm teaching some improv workshops now, and so I've just been looking at. What you know, websites about improv, and there's one that's like a very, very popular one that was today. It was like, you know, what's the one piece of advice you'd, you'd give, you know, someone starting off an improv? And mine is like, you know, don't take so many workshops, mm. you don't spend all your money in workshops. Yeah, you know, yeah, what's the one thing you know that improv needs? It's free workshop. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's so much of my feeling about improv, yeah, is like we got to make it accessible, and how you make it accessible is yeah. like, don't keep. Chart, you know, don't yeah, make yeah. all your money off people through uh, through workshops, but it's just such an ingrained part of improv that uh, is just like, ugh. So 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 ugh. Is improv a pyramid scheme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely has that element to it, doesn't it? Sure, sure, sure. But like, is it, it has a cult element to it. Well, anything showbiz, yeah, you know, or arts. If you're looking at it for, it depends what you want out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want something out of it, is like take to take that skill set. And then take it somewhere else, and then use it other other place. But like, even if you like, it's painting. You know, it's painting a pyramid scheme. Yeah, because mm. how many people who paint, you know, make a living, yeah. uh, make a good living, and then make a really good living out of uh, out of painting? And then how many people, you know, how do they make a living? Well, they teach art classes. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's like that's that's what you do. Well, or, I guess that's most things, really. Yeah, it goes up, it goes up by levels, by levels, by levels. Yeah, anything in in arts is like that. But I always felt like you know, I always go with the parallel of stand-up and improv and stand-up it's like i want to be a stand-up okay well go do a lot of stand-up and there's a lot of free places to do stand-up and you pay in time Mm -hmm. and you pay in effort and then with improv you pay in time you pay in effort you pay in cash as well (laughs) so you know hey why do we have a less you know diverse you know crowd doing improv Oh, uh, let me tell you why. It's because it ha- it, there's financial barriers to it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's like, huh, a lot of white college guys uh, like doing this. Hmm, what do they have in common with each other? Some yeah. sort of... They're funny. They're natu- naturally funny. Yeah, funny in the wallet. <laughs> Absolutely. They have a hilarious wallet. So part of my, yeah, part of my workshop 
things is always like, what's another way to go about doing this? What's another way that that's like less expensive? And then, you know, the big thing that I'm trying to like get across right now too is, you know, and now how to uh, leave the group you're in. Mm, get out of there. I know you're a fan of that too. Yeah, get out of there. Again, the Rick Mercer book, something I really liked reading about was um, when he talked about, you know, joining his uh, his comedy troupe. And it was like, it's like any band or whatever. It's yeah. like, you know, you found the people you really want to work with. But the second you get together, the timer begins for the destruction <laughs> of the group. Because it's always going to be like that. Sure. Yeah. But that's, that's I don't know, I don't want to say it's a good thing. But, I, you know, it's it seems like a good thing in terms of like that. I don't know. You have multiple passionate individuals with strong yeah. opinions, and that's what's mm-hmm. gotten you to this point. That's what's joined you together, and it's what's going to drive you apart. Yeah, yeah. Because that passion is either going to wane, in which case they don't give a fuck and yeah. then forget it, or the passion is going to grow, in which case it's going to cause a kaboom <laughs> at some point, probably. And then yeah. some groups stay together forever, and you're the Rolling Stones, and that's fine. You know? yeah, that has, and that has its own danger, which is you become pedestrian and... and unadventurous and uninteresting maybe you know i mean no one's excited about the new rolling stones album you know they're going to they're going to see the classic rolling stone songs they're, sure. not, they're not there to see bridges to babylon or whatever it's called or the rolling wheels what is it? <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever steel wheels of steel tour you know no one no one who went to that tour was like man i can't wait to hear songs from wheels to steel wheels of steel or whatever yeah it's like when i when i describe you know going to london with my with my group and you know we performed there uh for like a month and then you know broke up yeah uh spectacularly yes um but when i uh, i came back and i was you know uh you describe how'd it go and like yeah, it's hard to describe what, what, yeah. what happened yeah yeah but then you know i was talking to my friend taz who's part of like another you know group and uh he was like oh yeah 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 you're a comedy group <laughs> yeah you went on tour yeah, yeah absolutely yeah well that makes sense yeah of course kaboom yeah, yeah it makes yeah. it makes total sense and you know when i when i talk to people who are you know with groups and they're shocked that their group blew up as well it's like yeah it's just part of it and then you move on, you, you keep going, and it, uh, it hurts because, you know, uh, you won't be able to get that back again, but you're going to move on to whatever the next thing is. It is interesting. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the group Sloan, the Canadian band Sloan, who have been mm-hmm. together now for a long time. They started in 89, 90? Yeah, we listened to, we played Sloan, again, the group that broke up. Uh, we played Sloan at our intermission. And it was like the first song that we played when we when we start intermission. Yeah, was uh, for everything you've done wrong, baby. That song, and uh, and the lyrics basically go, you know, uh, you do you do the time, you pay the price for everything you've done wrong, baby. Yeah, uh, in your life you get so high, there's nowhere else to go but down. <laughs> and it was just like this. Yeah, you know, when things were getting hard near the end, it was like this mm-hmm. song just motherfucker. This is like <laughs> this is the anthem, bro. This is like oh boy, this is tough. But sorry, keep going with like. I was just gonna say, like, it's an interesting thing because I, I they, do love song because mm-hmm. they've been around for so long. Like yeah. they've been around for so long, and when you, I was just, I found a podcast which by fans, and they've had some of the members on the the show talking about the band. And it's interesting because they have this kind of outsider-insider view of themselves that's very odd because you have the sense that they are in the band, but not necessarily of the band. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And the one guy they're talking to said, we, he said, we do okay. We don't do great. We, we make enough that we can't break up, <laughs> but we don't make enough to be really, to be really like ahead, you know, like yeah. we're doing okay. Yeah. And the problem, the problem is for them, like when they started and they, like they created their publishing company and stuff, like they had really good advice when they started. Like this guy, you know, kind of let, you know, basically gave them, you know, some advice, you know, showed them how to start a publishing company, but also recommended that they share their publishing and not have like, you know, everyone, everyone, you know, it's divided in four ways. So yeah. whoever writes the song, whoever writes the hits or whatever, it doesn't matter. All the, all the money is divided, which obviously leads bands to stay together longer, but also makes it so some members of the band who are more successful with their songs don't get to and really enjoy yeah, it yeah. entirely for themselves. And that can yeah. cause some also some resentments as well. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to listen to them talk. Cause you, you get the sense of like, where you get a sense of that. They're just kind of like, well, we still have to do this because we want to be musicians, but there's no other option for us other than this vehicle. We could do solo things, but we're not in no way would we ever make enough as solo artists to make that worth our while. It's much better for us to stay within this communal situation where we have a following because that's something that people forget about when they're, when they're in a big band, you know, like, like the guy from super Tramp. you know, he leaves super Tramp and he's going to go on tour. Who's that guy from super Tramp? Yeah. Who wrote, who wrote that song? Logical song. What's his name? Do you know his name? No. Cause you know, super Tramp, though, you know, they did the logical song. Maybe they'll say like, so-and-so from super Tramp is coming to the such and such casino and they'll play that song. And people are like, Oh, okay. I know that guy. Maybe I'll go. But, you know, he's never going to have the kind of fame that he would have had if he'd remain in Supertramp. Yeah. That's the name, right? I know. I mean, there's enough uh, things that I've been part of that I'm like, if I, yeah. It's like, if I go off to do my own thing, then, oh, boy, you just got to do some, <laughs> got to do some push-ups. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if I go under the name, you know, Critical Hit Show. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I'm with this group. Yeah. I can sell out uh, this. Yeah. Or, you know, uh, when we're doing yeah, Canadian content, you know. Yeah, well, uh, if we do that at the fringe, we're gonna like do well. Yeah, and if, you know, I'm with this group. Okay, well, then, uh, yeah, there's a the, the enough times I've been part of something that's bigger than me. Yeah, that's like, and yeah, it's hard to it's hard to leave it too. You know? <laughs> sure, you, sure. You got again, it's push ups, push ups. I'm just looking here at Sloan on uh, Street Sense in uh, 1990. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's where I sort of knew them from was because mm-hmm. I was working on that and and they were the go-to band to talk about how to make a living as and they were very practical back then. It's just like get the cheap instruments. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. Here's what you do. And if there's anything about like the industry, we would always go to Sloan and they would like uh, be be the be the ones to talk about. Yeah. You know, Sloan and Thrush Hermit were our two sure. uh two go-to. Thrush Hermit, another good band. From that time period, then became the Joel Plaskett Emergency. Oh, neat! Uh, my, the the thing too, I think that's you know you you don't even think about it, is like how addictive it is to have people really like you. Mm. And so you know, if you're Sloan and you yeah. start playing one of your hits, getting that whoosh, that <laughs> rush good. of like people are so happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like okay, now we're gonna we're gonna start from scratch again. Ooh, so hard. <laughs> yeah, so that hard. is that is tricky, and you can. You can kind of branch out with, with, but I think it's the best thing, you know, you should try and have the best of both worlds. Sure, is, sure, sure. It's a balance. Is, you know, have, have a solo element to what you're doing that kind of is fulfilling for you and then stay in the band and, yeah. and, you know, yeah, there's a scene in, um, 
we're going to talk about that movie on completely, completely Beatles, of course, but there's a scene in Get Back where George Harrison's talking to John Lennon about doing a solo album. And John Lennon's like, that sounds, that's a great idea. You should do that. Because you have all these songs that you just can't fit them all on the album yeah. because you're competing against Paul and I. We have our, we have our thing and then you just have like a small part of it. That's, that's the reality, right? So you should really do that. And it's too bad that wasn't, you know, there, what broke up the Beatles wasn't anything to do with music at all. You know, it was purely business and ill, you know, bad feelings about business yeah. more than anything else, you know. And that's unfortunate because they really could have like taken it. But at that time, no one, no one had been in bands that long. No. So no one had like an idea that, oh, let's take a break. And no one had been the Beatles. No, no one, one had, had been those the Beatles. extremes. Yeah. Let's take a break. Let's, yeah. let's take time off and then we'll regroup in a year. You know, and we can talk about yeah. And if, if John hadn't died, who knows if they, you know, what what they would have done together in the future. I mean, they seem yeah. to, you know, like working together still on various things. And they, yeah, they reconciled for sure. Yeah. There were bad feelings that and there were reconciliations. You know, and it's interesting to like, see later interviews with George Harrison, and he says it. He just says, you know, we didn't have much contact in the seventies, but Paul and I have been, you know, much more talkative and been communicating and stuff like that. Time, time, know? time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it. Time's part of it, and yeah, and you have like this deep, this deep experience that no one else no, will share. Like no one only else. the only people who understand what it's like to be a beetle. Yeah, are you guys? There's yeah, only, yeah there's, this, there's only four people who understood that. That you no, know, and it's gotten smaller. But yeah, that those were that's all. That's the only people who could like you could talk to about it. You know, no one, everyone else you talk to, they'd be like, yeah, but you were a beetle. Yeah, but th- their idea of what you were is totally un- unlike what you were. You know, I'm, they didn't uh, know how much toast you got to eat. So much toast and tea. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm um, I'm trying to uh, play the Beatles rock band game again. Oh. I'm uh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to put together the ins- putting the band back together. <laughs> I'm putting the. Uh, I, I I bought a I bought a cheap copy of the uh, of the game. Okay, I didn't have the okay. game anymore, and now I've got to like find the drums and the everything because okay. that was so so much fun. I love I love that. Yeah, so that may be in the basement here uh, in the future. Oh, I'm I'm in I'm in. Good. Uh, speaking of music, music, my friend, you sent me a bunch of songs. I did, and uh, I think we should share them with the good people. Sure. Well, this was so actually all bad people. Turn <laughs> off your podcast now. So this was uh, this. Like, it's been a little up. This, like I, I've mentioned, there's been a. I've been busy, mm-hmm. and so I've been, you know, trying to put together top fives. I have quite a few of my own, but I, I, I love when people write in and ask for ones, and I'm trying to do those. But uh, some of them are more complex than others. And uh, but an easy one was Chris Roberts. He said, what about food? Has anyone okay. done food? Be- have you done food before? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think hey so. Guys, you like food? I do like food. Who likes food? And um, so I decided I put together a quick food one. And now Chris Roberts, of course, is a vegetarian. I think maybe even vegan. I'm not sure. Okay. So I thought it'd be fun to like kind of concentrate on the vegetable side of things. There's a, right. one song I would have loved to play, but I played it on, on Listening Party already, which was a song called Broccoli by The Association. <laughs> and that would have been really great in there too, but I couldn't play that one. So I went with, and the thing is, uh, I forgot I was going to do this. So I forgot, to, <laughs> I forgot to do any kind of like looking up when these songs came out and stuff. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to completely be winging this, everybody. I have no... I have nothing else but my 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 memory and my, my my vague memory of these things. So this is um the first thing we're going to start with is the Beach Boys, and this is going to be veg vegetables or vegetables, vegetable, as they, yeah, as they call it in the song. And now this is a remix 
of the original smile smile version of the song. Okay. So this is this came in kind of the later stages, latter stages of the Smile Project, which is a famous album that never came out because of various intraband problems, personal problems for for the creator, the kind of the main creative force of the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson, as well as business problems because while they were trying to do Smile, they uh, sued Capitol Records their label for non-payment of royalties. And and so that was a problem. And then Capitol Records were kind of sabotaging the band at the same time. Mm. And then the band were kind of unhappy with, very unhappy with the, some were very unhappy, others were confused. And there there's a lot of like concern about where Brian Wilson was going with this project. And they, you know, it was a, it was a kind of an abstract thing. And then he also was suffering, probably starting to head into a full-on like, uh, schizophrenic, some sort of mental breakdown. Okay. Most most likely brought about by taking acid, which wasn't unusual at the time. There are various musicians from that time period who were very creative and then had personal personal you know personal problems related to LSD. Okay. You know, Sid Barrett of the early the Pink Floyd. You know, the kind of original creative force of the band, of course, crashed famously crashed. Uh, Skip Spence of Moby Grape once again. Uh, too much acid decided. You know, to, to try and attack his band members with an axe in a hotel. Uh, you know, these that are kind is of usually a mistake. Very much so. Uh, Rocky Erickson from the Thirteenth Floor Elevators. These are all kind of famous casualties of, and Brian Wilson would, would kind of number amongst these as someone who it may have happened anyway. It might have happened anyway because you know the twenties is a, a common time for for this sort of thing to appear anyhow. But it definitely, LSD in many cases was kind of like the trigger for for these problems. Um, so, so these are all things that are happening. And vegetables kind of came about in the latter stages as he, as he was starting to ha- have more and more problems and kind of losing the tr- track of what this was going to be. Like it started off with great guns and he and this, um, fellow musician, a guy named Van Dyke Parks were working together. Lark- Parks was a lyricist and Brian Wilson was doing the music and they were like great guns and this very abstract, very interesting concepts and stuff like that. And then, uh, Parks was kind of feeling the, kind of feeling the pressure from other band members like you know kind of feeling like a lot of you know animosity towards his part in this and he got offered the chance to do an al- a solo album with reprise records and so he kind of he jumped ship and he left and that left uh brian wilson alone and, it, and things kind of started to come apart for him and 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 this is sort of like so this is kind of a weird song but kind of a great song and what I really like about this time period with the Beach Boys, though, is how much of it is just voices. Mm. There's very little instrumentation in this song. It's sure. basically just a bass and some sound effects. They have some great voices. And then it's really their voices. And what I really love is, is uh, I want people to listen at the end of the song to this sort of uh, laughing motif that they do at the end of the song, which is so fantastic. So anyway, anyway this, is, uh, this is Vegetables by the Beach Boys, everyone. Is Here. it vegetables or vegetable? Vegetables. Okay. Or vegetables, as they say in the song. Very good. This is, uh, and by the way, Paul McCartney is rumored to be playing uh, the carrot in this song because uh, he visited while they were doing the album, and, and and he was offered the opportunity to chew a carrot during the recording of this, and he did. So he's probably there. So this is uh, Beach Boys featuring bites. guest <laughs> carrot eater Paul McCartney. Here we go. I'm gonna be round my vegetables. I'm gonna chow down my vegetables. I love you most of all my favorite vegetable 
jump up and down and hope you toss me a carrot. I'm gonna keep well my vegetables cart off and sell my vegetables. I love you most of all, my favorite vegetable. Oh, I tried to kick the ball, but my tinny flew right out. I'm red as a beet, cause I'm so That's what turned Paul vegetarian. I think it was Linda, but yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. These maybe. carrots aren't bad. <laughs> it's pretty good, this celery I'm crunching. Uh, I like, uh, it reminded me of like uh, the point. It felt like very uh, Harry yeah, Nielsen. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like it, could, it would have fit in really well sure, there. Yeah. Sure, But I like, no, I liked it. It was, uh, it was yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a fun song. It's a lot of fun. And uh, that was like a, it's not from Smile. It's a remix that was done by a, by a, for a collection called Hawthorne, California. Okay. Which is kind of one of those, they do it less now. Now they'll just put them out online. But for every once in a while, Capital will do this like d- dump of music in order to keep stuff under copyright. And so if you like, so sometimes they'll actually release it as a CD set. So they did that with Feel Flows, which is like a bunch of seven, early 70s stuff. Other times they'll just put like a 200 live songs out and you can just like download it for, for a fee. Oh, neat. And you get like a bunch of live stuff because they just want to keep it under copyright. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all it's about. But anyway. Neat. So that's pretty good. I agree. Uh, it's a good start. Let me try. Well, where to go from here, Dave? Where do we go from here? Well, how about we go to the, the kind of mid-70s. All right. A very popular, this has got an A-plus in Robert Criscow's Consumer Guide. When I, and uh, okay. if you were a person who said, I have to listen to all the A-plus albums, then this is one that you would have listened to. But were, this you, is, were you that person? No, I heard this a different way. This is from Have Moisey, 
which was uh, a collaborative album between Peter Stamfel's version of the Holy Modal Rounders, which was called the Unholy Modal Rounders, <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Frederick and the Clamtones, okay. and Michael Hurley. And so they all were kind of invited by Rounder Records, who were inspired, their name was inspired by the Holy Modal Rounders. Uh, they, were, they were kind of asked by, by um, Rounder Records if they would be willing to do a record. And so all three of them just happened to be in the same place at the same time. And so they did this collaborative because they all knew each other anyway. They'd all played together, and, right. and Fre- uh, Fredericks and and Hurley had been friends uh, in the in 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 uh, New England days before before Fredericks had moved to moved to Portland, and and so that they got together and they did this album, and it was a very popular album at the time. I remember playing it at work one day, and this uh, when I was working in the parking lot, and this guy came out and he was like, "Oh, oh, Peter Stamfel." <laughs> so I interviewed this guy. He goes, "Oh, that's a great song." And it was. Uh, Midnight in Paris from the from the Havmoisi as well. Cool. So anyway, this is the slurf song. The slurf. Now, what does slurf mean? Slurf. I guess it means eating. I guess. All right. Very good. Because this is just a song about food. Well, let's listen to it. Let's listen. This is Michael Hurley uh, with a bunch of uh, his friends playing the slurf song, and Michael Hurley is playing the uh, playing the fiddle in this song. I think there's a few people playing fiddles. I think there's three fiddles in this song. Oh. Robin Romali. Uh, Peter Stamfel and uh, Michael Hurley all playing Someone the fiddle. Someone slipped to try to play the violin. They told him, go to They hell! said, get out of here. These are fiddles, it's only fiddles. fiddle or nothing. <laughs> We're fiddling my, around. My fiddler's three. <laughs> here we go. This is uh, the Slurf song. Turn it into shit We 
over there, they fill me with despair. Oh, I see the dishes over there, they fill me with despair. Dishes over there, they fill me with despair. All right, and we're back. So that was. Uh, I've heard that surfing. song before. I'm sure because I gave you a tape. Yeah, that makes sense. That was uh, like a mix of a bunch of different Michael Hurley. I, I know, I know Unholy the band because you did a comic called Rounders. Yes, and uh, it was kind of loosely connected to the band sure. and referenced yeah. to the band. And so, yeah, that's that was my introduction to to the band. There. Yes, my fascination with that time period for sure. Because mm-hmm. um, I used to think that I used to think it's so fascinating that you could like spend like three years like doing nothing and then later on you're like a stockbroker or something it seems so weird to me that it was because like, you can't do that now like there's no way you could like waste three years of your life and then feel like you could just like catch up because it's just way too much like it's just way too much pressure on people now like monetary pressure and yeah and social like social status press pressure and stuff like that like gotta go work at jollybees gotta work at jollybees you gotta gotta have like cool stuff going on in your life that you can put on instagram like you're just not no one's going to go fuck around anymore. But maybe they do. I don't know. There's probably people do who I like... Do I need cool stuff in my life? I think, I think there are some people who still do that kind of stuff, but... I've just been putting food up on my uh, Instagram. Damn. I just put empty plates. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I like that. That's a good idea. I've been uh, an idiot. I've been putting up like stuff I've cooked. Making up for uh, lost time. Oh, and I also have a... A comic strip I put up every day. Okay, I do that. I put a mannequin <laughs> on the moon every day. Um, no, I liked it though. Enjoy, enjoyable. I I was so madly in love up. with these bands in, in their day. Like I just the girls, particularly Mary. Like she grew she grew up like listening to this mixtape for for years. <laughs> I just loved it so much. But uh, all right, the next song's pretty long. I don't know if you noticed that, Ian. This is uh, this is uh, the mothers mothers of invention. This yeah. is Frank Zappa and the mothers of invention from their second album. Absolutely free. I did some stretching during this. Like, <laughs> I don't believe it's you. It's like 10 minutes. I'm like, well, I should stretch for 10 minutes. This actually works out. <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, and yeah, this is a colony vegetable, which is really more of a song suite. There's uh, three parts to it. There's colony vegetable. Then there is the uh, something or other, like the, it's like a something or other of the pumpkin. I can't remember what it's called now. And then it finishes with, with the uh, soft cell conclusion, it's called. And so... It's uh, it's very long, and if you are a classical music fan, you may notice uh, a little quote by the horns uh, doing Holst's uh, from Holst the Planets. They uh, I think they play from Jupiter. Okay, I think it's Jupiter. Is Jupiter the jollity one? I can't remember now. Anyway, but if one of the one of the one of the planets is quoted, uh, quite a bit of quoting on this album. Like there's a uh, earlier song on it called uh, "The Duke of Prunes" that uh, quotes from Stravinsky's "The Firebird Suite." But anyway. Because Frank Zappa was just having fun and showing off. And this was like his first album, Freak Out. It's kind of more like a straight-ahead rock album. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's just kind of like a bunch of rock songs. And then the second side is like kind of weird stuff. Like like Freak Out and The Son of the Monster Magnet and stuff like that. Or Return of the Son of the Monster Magnet. And those are all kind of... But they're they're kind of like weird. Like just kind of weird, like like kind of like um, music concrete and stuff like that. This is like more kind of playing. Like more kind of like stretching out and playing. 
the, this uh, absolutely free because he got like kind of new new band members who are kind of more out of jazz than they were out of rock and roll and so they just like they wanted to like play and so that's where you get these kind of long parts okay and so anyway let's listen to colony vegetable from uh, frank zappa's group the mothers of invention from probably 67 i'm guessing though mm-hmm. here we go this is a song about vegetables they keep you regular they're real good for you Some people don't go for prunes. I don't know. I've always found that if they...
lot of people don't bother about their friends in the vegetable kingdom. They think, uh, what can I say? What can a person like myself say to a vegetable? But the answer is simple, my friends. Just call and tell them how you feel about muffins, pumpkins, wax paper, Caledonia mahogany's elbows, and green things in general. And soon a new rapport, you and your new little green and yellow buddies, grooving together, oh no, maintaining your coolness together, worshiping together in the church of your choice, only in America. started listening to it i was like ah, oh, this is fine it's a indulgent and here we go we're going and then a really funky metal i really like oh yeah it really yeah. goes isn't yeah, it really yeah, yeah. i was like oh yeah <laughs> you're doing the old trick of like oh but we're also really good <laughs> yeah uh, you're right it starts okay. off in your like they weren't like they weren't like the greatest vocal group and i have to say like some most of my favorite stuff by them is more of their instrumental things of this time period that's like my favorite frank zappa is this kind of sort of tech like jazz, but with a rock element to it, and also like classical parts, and then also the fact that they use a lot of electronics with the with the with the saxophones and stuff okay. like that. So you get like these kind of weirder sounds to them in many cases, and especially the later stuff where they would have like a drone. So the saxophone would be playing two parts. Okay, it would be doubled by electronic uh, piece of electronics that would double the the sounds and stuff, and that was kind of interesting as well and my favorite album by them is burnt weenie sandwich that's one i always recommend to people it starts off with a with a cover of a doo-wop la doo-wop song uh white port and lemon juice wplj and then it plays like a bunch of interesting kind of classically inspired pieces but they're played in like a kind of a jazz fusion way Mm -hmm. but more like a rock fusion i guess i should say and then it finishes with with a with a doo-wop song an la doo-wop song and that seems to me like the perfect album i don't know why i love it so much because it's and there's very little singing on it and that's probably why i like it so much but anyway that was that was uh, frank zappa with the mother's invention lots of fun that's a good album by the way absolutely free okay our fourth song Mm -hmm. is by a musician a musician a comedy writer yeah a conceptual artist sure and just a plain old writer as well as an environmental activist nowadays he wrote classical gas is he still alive yeah he's still good for him being alive he's still kicking Good he, stuff. He wrote for the Smothers Brothers show. I'm sure he did. But before that, he was a folk musician. And they knew him from the scene and they liked him. So they hired him to write for the show. And he became the head writer at Smothers Brothers. Famous for? Well, I think I mentioned Classical Gas. Did you? I did. Did you? He wrote Classical Gas, which made him a lot Sorry, of money. I forgot. He made him a lot of money. And uh, he basically retired after that. From He still played and stuff, but he didn't really like 
Where you could have one song that would make you enough money that, like, yeah. I'm done. You didn't have to scuffle anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's a good song. It is a great song. Yeah. Uh, arranged by Mike Post, who wrote the Rocker Files theme. Mm. But, um, yes. Let's listen to uh, Mason Imagine, Williams. Imagine, by the way, sorry. Oh, sorry. Imagine if it was the Rockford Files. Yeah. But classical gas played instead. Just imagine the Rockford Files opening. Yeah. yeah. And just like, this is Jim Rockford, leave a message, <laughs> I'll get back to you. Jim, we need that money. We need it now. Yeah, you'd have to get that looking at the classical looking part at the meat. Yeah. And he's looking around. <laughs> like, oh, man. It's, it would work. Yeah. That's the story. If you did like the the kind of more the bigger part of it, not yeah. the not the beginning part. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I've really gone off the track here. Please back to Mason Williams and uh, sure, sure. the Tomato Vendetta. So this is yeah, this is the Tomato Vendetta from his album Handmade, Handmade or Handmaids, and it's um this is uh one, I think it's the fifth song in his Dada trilogy. Okay, it's our first so. fruit song so far. Yeah. We've been the, all vegetables so far, and now we're heading down the fruit road. I used to know exactly all the songs that were in the Data trilogy. I think the Prince's Pants, Princess Pant, the Prince's Panties, Panties. is one of them. Uh, listen here, listen here, like here sound. Um, this song, the Tomato Vendetta, and then there's two others. I'll try and think about the one we're listening to. It. This is uh, okay. Let's listen to Mason Williams anyway. Here we go. Mm-hmm. His usual beautiful acoustic guitar playing, starting it, and then the song, sure. it, the Exciting Accident. That's another one. Okay. <laughs> and maybe the last the, the, the last waltz or something like that, the last great waltz or something. We should just like do a that. podcast called Trying to Remember Shit. <laughs> well, that's the usual show anyway. All right, folks, let's listen to the Twitter Vendetta. Here we go. about the tomato vendetta and the tale of a man who let a hate for tomatoes cause him strife he lost his job wife home car kids and life he'd go downtown buy some groceries he went because his family was hungry as he always bought Bread, meat, and potatoes, but he wouldn't touch those ugly tomatoes. He didn't know why he hated tomatoes they were just as ugly as far as ugly goes there in the store when no one was watching he'd set melons on them and laugh at their squashing one night after shopping and on his way home his loathing for tomatoes cut to the bone he just couldn't stand the strain anymore He vowed to destroy the tomato horde He turned around and viciously hoping the 
grocery stores would still be open His eyes grew cold For he was a man whose moment of truth lay close at hand All over town, in every store Tomatoes were hurt and spilled on the floor Big melons and turkeys and large sacks of grits were dumped on their sections to mash them to bits. finished his plan but on his way out a delivery van full of big ripe tomatoes drove in and hit him tomato vendetta had claimed its victim the incident of the tomato vendetta caused a sensation it was something that the public could relish and readily snatch up popularly known as the Tomato ketchup. No, I was going to say, like, uh, what I liked was. Uh, oh, you know, he, he didn't go for like the really easy jokes in this. That's good. Ah, I did right at the end. Yeah, he did. Right at the end. It's all like this, uh, this whole like lead up that's all yeah. like it's yeah. this beautiful thing. And then, ah, da-dum. Yeah. There it is. Got us. And then sh- shove it all there at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's good. What a, what a naughty boy. Yes. Uh, th- I find him really fascinating. Like things like, like the Greyhound bus book. Yeah. Where it was a book that folded out into like a, life-size yeah. greyhound bus um weird things like hiring a plane to drop pedals around the sun which he then filmed and he had like a a piece of music to go with really? it called sunflower oh that's neat yeah he was friends with this guy named ed rushka who is uh like still like a very famous photographer and artist uh, la artist and they were friends and so a lot of that stuff was in, he incorporated into his uh into his thing Bam. Yeah, I'm noticing that, yeah, he reunited with him in uh, 2007. Okay. Performing at the Getty Center. That's all I know. Yeah, yeah. And co-headlined a concert with Everclear and Paul Revere and the Raiders. Well, there you go. All right, there you are, there you have Play it. Play some of his songs. He's a really good guitar player as well. Like it's the, He has just some fun songs that are like ballad. I can't remember what they're called. But anyway, sorry. Mm-hmm. I can't remember everything. I can't remember everything, everyone. Just, no. You know, because I, I can't remember everything. How could you? But it's a fun song. No one song. expects you to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mason Williams, a cool cat. A cool cat, indeed. Yes. Yes. And impossible to find on CD. Maybe Mason Williams' phonograph album, because it has classical gas on mm. it, was on CD. But his other albums, like Listening Matter and Ear Show, and especially his first one, which has uh, has all his them songs, like them toad lickers, them this and that, them side splitters, them whatever. There's like every song. And he also was a comedy writer. Like, of course, we mentioned Smiley mm-hmm. Brothers. Mm-hmm. But on Saturday Night Live, he did some writing for Saturday Night Live. Oh, really? Live. Must yeah. have been very early on. And uh, the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour. That's right. Yeah. 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 Yes. Then I think he just... He wasn't really a comedy writer, though. He was just someone who was a friend of people who needed a, <laughs> needed a comedy writer. So, yeah. Okay. But he was the one who, like, created the the 
Pat Paulson for president. Oh, all right. That campaign good, and stuff that like that. Bit. Yeah, it was a good bit. Yeah. He, uh, such a good bit that when I started doing comedy, he was still doing that bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, yeah, he was even like on the monkeys, uh, Pat Paulson for president. Yeah. It was crazy. That was just, that how was big his it thing was. for forever. Yeah. yeah. How big it was. Okay, everyone. So our final, final food song is the turtles from their. Because you can eat turtles. You can eat turtles. You can have turtle soup, which was a name of one of their albums. And they also mention it in this song. Yeah, or you can eat uh, turtles, the delicious chocolate treat. That's true. Um, so this is from their crazy, fun concept album, The Turtles Present the Battle of the Bands, where they appear, every song is a different band, but it's really just the turtles pretending they're a different band. And the uh, I talked about this in the listening party, so if you're interested in more of this, you you can listen to it there. Mm-hmm. I even have some pictures from the album sleeve of, of themselves dressed as different bands. The, I think there are the Crossfires, which was their original name when they were a surf band. They were the Crossfires. But also, you know, there's a bunch of different names. Uh, and one of them is the Turtles. They do, I think they do this song as the Turtles, which is called Food and also contains a naughty recipe for, pot, for hash brownies or oh. in the middle of it. So you'll hear them give you the recipe as well, as well as a myriad of a food items. So here is, here is. The Turtles, uh, which also features a very early example of, of the Moog or Moog synthesizer, if you prefer. Um, so that's kind of neat. But this is The Turtles. Hamburgers, cheeseburgers, spaghetti rice, french fried potatoes and gulags. Take over easy asparagus fears, hot dogs and baked beans and
And we're back. And that was our final song of this food quintology. I liked it. Thanks, I buddy. Like the, I mean, I really do like the, the turtles. Oh, they're great. Yeah. Uh, Howard Kale, I remember watching a, a documentary about them uh, produced by Rhino Records a long time ago. And uh, we were watching and David, uh, I was watching with David M. And he said, he said they could have been such a good band if they weren't all so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. I mean, they just weren't, they were just yeah. weren't attractive enough yep. to be huge. They were... But their songs are so great that they they had like a great career. Yeah, you know. But they just couldn't like they just didn't have like the teen idol looks to get them like that next step of superstardom. But Howard Kalin, one of the greatest singers of uh, rock music of that time period, you know, and really good writers as well. Like I mean, early on they kind of used other people's songs, but as they as their career went on, they learned how to write and and uh, they didn't have the good looks of a Pat Paulson. <laughs> they didn't have that's a what Pat people. That's people were looking people. for. That's what they're looking for, that time period. By the way, yep. um, Pat Paulson, mm-hmm. uh, uh, his slogan mm-hmm. for running was, America, we've upped our standards, now up yours. <laughs> yes. Another thing, I'm going to do another Paul, uh, Pat Paulson thing. Yep. Uh, he would say, like, uh, now I ask you, will I solve our economic problems? Will I ease our causes of racial tension? Will I bring a peaceful end to Vietnam? Sure, why not? <laughs> And if anyone criticized him, his response was always, picky, picky, picky. Yeah. yeah very yeah. good. Uh, it was a good bit. And he's he, like a deadpan comic. Of yeah, a, he yeah. came in second to uh, George Bush in the North Dakota Republican primary. Oh. So uh, good for him. Good for him indeed. Still out there. Still making it work. Well, no, he's dead. But yeah. I mean, at that time, he was still yeah. out there when George Bush was running. Yeah, I he's, guess uh, he's been dead since 1997, so he's not, he's, he's <laughs> not out there now. I just, just meant at that right time. Now. I was talking about that at time. At the time, period. yes. Yes. He was but uh, less so now, <laughs> not making it work. Well, you know, there is a, a new campaign, like the taxidermied corpse of Pat Paulson for president. Yeah, kind of and a really, weekend you, at Bernie's. You can't tell the difference. Mm. You can't tell. The, he's still a deadpan comic. Literally <laughs> deadpanned. <laughs> well right. done, everybody. All right. Uh, we have some... We have some uh, Listeners' comments and letters. Comments and questions. What do you say? You're going to hear from yourself today. <laughs> okay. So, yes. our question of the week last week was, mm-hmm. uh, what's something uh, where you live that happens where you live that we should know about? We don't know about it. Tell us about it. Mm-hmm. And sub-question, uh, what's your favorite submarine? Which is the same one we've been asking every week. <laughs> uh, no. Do you wear eyeglasses? <laughs> when did you start wearing them? How do you feel about it? Dave feels bad because he has to put a mask on, gets all fogged up, mm. can't go to the Comic-Con, be a nerd. That's a thing. <laughs> True fact. True fact. Uh, Third Dragon Nina Matsumoto writes, David, oh, this was in response to David was talking about Nina's place. Yeah. Uh, really spilling the beans on uh, her security codes, uh, <laughs> telling you where she keeps her values. Yes, I did do that. Valuables. Her, where her lockbox is located. David, you've seen my old place, says Nina, which mm-hmm. I spent three years in. Uh, most of it during pandemic uh, lockdowns. The pla- this place feels twice the size. Mm-hmm. I finally have room for a couch. Yep. Uh, I finally have closets. Two of them. No, it certainly doesn't feel cramped. This place is bigger than many of my apartment-dwelling friends' homes, and some of them live with their partners. And like Ian said, oh, I like this. Uh, I spend most of my time in front of a computer anyway, so it's not as though I need too much space uh, aside from storage. Which I also have plenty of here, thanks to being able to rent a storage locker in the basement. Anyway. That's yeah, nice. Thank you again for the help with the bed. <laughs> well, you're welcome. And I think it was more, like, 
before she was living in a basement suite, which is like a kind of a cramped situation, you know, and it's dark, you know, you're, you're still sweet. You're partly underground. Pretty sweet. <laughs> pretty sweet. You're underground, you know, like it's, th- that seemed like, I think it was, was more like. underground. It was mostly underground where she lived. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess it was underground. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I think the only reason she had a window is because of the the stairwell. <laughs> but anyway, mm. the uh, this place it was I think it was just the contrast of like you know you you can see the outdoors you can like, the the big the bigness of outside and then what felt like to me like the relative smallness. But you know like I like I like I said I've I haven't re- I was not really an apartment dweller. I we lived in a we lived in a one bedroom Langley one and it. It wasn't big, but it didn't feel that small. But I think, you know, I, I have to kind of agree with you guys that and I'm probably just not used to it now. But if I did live live in one, you're right. You just live in one room. You're not like, it's not like you, you know, you're stretching out between two rooms or whatever. Like, you know, when you go to bed, that's that room. Maybe and when you foot out the door, when you're sitting in the, room. but we had like a, we had like a dining room in ours. It was fairly spacious. Like we had room for a dining room table, plus the couches and, yeah. and the TV and everything. So it's it fine. That's fine. Uh, let me throw a PS on this from uh, Nina. I once lived in a bedroom with no windows and no closets. Mm. There was only enough space for my computer chair and desk and one bookcase. For bedtime, I had to shove my chair uh, aside in front of my door to make room for my single size foam mattress that I unfold and place on the floor. Half of it under my work desk because there was no space otherwise. I'm certain I would have died if there was a fire. Anything is better than that experience. <laughs> yes, it sounds a lot better. Yeah. And her place is very nice. Let me just say very that good. right now. It's a very well, nice I'm hoping place. to be invited one day, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't think you will be. Uh, According to what Nina said. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay. That's, that's ugly. Um, <laughs> uh, Lisa, who you know, as and I know as the, uh, as the co-host of Horse Mysteries. Yes, she is the co-host. Now deep into its second episode. It is very deep into it. Third one to follow. Oh, that's good. So yeah. you're following your second episode with the third episode? We're, we are. Going we're, traditional. We're, well, I feel like we're breaking a new, breaking a mold here. Okay. You're Going breaking in the horse mysteries. One, one, two, three. Pretty unusual. Question of the week response. What is something about where I live that uh, we should know about? Well, if you're talking about my actual dwelling, then, uh, the, then three things that are a little different than uh, most. A, our main floor is pretty much devoid of anything except for one room where a few things are being stored, this emptiness due to the flood, which is uh, uh, usually the unusual thing, is the zillion books, records, and CDs that inhabit the area. Oh, she left out her her horse stuff that's also down there. Well, that's research for horse mysteries. (laughs) B, uh, we have two chickens uh, hanging out in our suburban backyard. And C, I have a 1969 Mustang convertible that wraps in one of those pop-up sheds. Sadly, uh, both are a little worse for wear. Mm-hmm. It is sad. Nice. Uh, if you're talking about my fair town of Aldergrove, uh, it was known as the place in between, as it was a village situated equidistant between two larger centers, Langley and Abbotsford, that had more amenities. You gave me a lot of words like equidistant and amenities, and I'm like <laughs> getting near the end of this, and it's uh, hard to say those words. Anyway. Uh, did she mention sea and enemies? <laughs> Well, with seeing enemies like this, who needs to see friends <laughs> with benefits? Anyway, uh, which has resulted in a lack of stores that can stay viable as it's easy for people to drive out to go shopping. Also in Aldergrove is the Greater Vancouver Zoo, the only zoo in the Vancouver metropolitan area. As well, we have uh, the world-famous BC Telephone Museum. We do. Uh, which I'm sure you've heard of. Well, the name rings a bell. Boo. 
okay. I don't like this tone. <laughs> Finally, a lot of uh, movies and TV shows are filmed out in Aldergrove, Smallville, the Psycho TV show, right across from the dump, and countless Hallmark shows. Do I wear glasses? Sadly, yes. Had to start in my 20s. I would rather not. Thank you very much. <laughs> I remember when she had to start wearing glasses. She was not happy. Mm. Hope you didn't make fun of her. What, color four eyes? Only for a year. Oh, my gosh. Well, four eyes is forewarned. Joseph M. <laughs> Boylan writes, Dave! Oh, me. The book you were talking about, Astral Weeks, mm. by Ryan H. Walsh, about the crazy scene in Boston in the late 60s, is phenomenal. The Velvet Underground Lou Reed stuff I found most humorous. I read the, the book last summer, and it was a fantastic reading experience. You are a man of great taste. <laughs> P.S. I don't wear eyeglasses. Love you guys. Well, thank you. Well, thank maybe, you for that uh, compliment. I appreciate it. Maybe if you wore glasses, you wouldn't love us as much because, you know, we're a couple of weird looking. We're, <laughs> we're, we're turtle-esque is what I've been told. <laughs> That's right. Our show would be more popular if we weren't so ugly. That's yeah. what I've heard. And you can just tell that from our voices. <laughs> Louise writes, I first got glasses when I was 20. This seems to be the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I only needed them for driving in movies, so I felt lucky I didn't have to wear them all the time. In my 40s, <laughs> I started needing glasses for computer work and reading. I recently got a stronger prescription, and now I get a slight keystone effect when I look at my monitor, which is annoying. I have to be careful when I'm doing graphics to do a non-glasses check to see if I'm distorting my lines. Hmm. Uh, we talked about Key Largo, and so I'm about that. Key Largo is a pretty soft hit, even by easy listening standards, so I'm not surprised. A hardcore music snob or uh, <laughs> aficionado, like Dave didn't remember it. Mm -hmm. It was one of those uh, sensitive early 80s, where did our love go wrong uh, guy songs like, just once, and... If ever I'm in your arms again, and how am I supposed to live without you? This was before people were. I told don't know any of those songs. <laughs> to face it, uh, that the, the, they're just not into you. Just once, gonna figure out what I've been doing wrong. And uh, yeah, how am I supposed to live without you? Um, speaking of hot dogs, which you were again. I love uh, hot dogs. There was a Beaver Tails, registered trademark, food truck in our area <laughs> last weekend. So my sister and I headed over to grab some of that sweet tail. Oh, Louise. <laughs> we discovered uh, they also have a menu item called a beaver dog, which is a wiener wrapped in a beaver tail, then deep fried. Uh, then there's a poutine wow. on a beaver tail, which they call a poutail. <laughs> and there's something people should know about where I what I live. Canadians don't want snacks with tasteful names. They want snacks that taste good. There you go. Beaver Tails. Yeah. And Louise continues, wow, those are some interesting names for a food truck. No, that's not Louise, actually. This is... Um, oh, what, what's going this on? This is a problem. Crystal wrote, and for some reason, I I don't know, I guess I, maybe I should have corrected it. I didn't notice at the time that she... She says she put her name in. Yeah. She may have been thinking of Louise, because she was responding to Louise, and accidentally wrote Louise's name into the... Mm -hmm into the comment like comment thing all right well crystal i'm not writes, sure crystal what happened but crystal writes those are some interesting names for a food truck i bet they get a lot of purchases just because of the menu item names that reminds me uh, of a time i bought a can of spotted dick at a nashville <laughs> grocery store the title may be giggle but the raisin loaded cake inside was quite delicious indeed and uh you should be able to buy that at woodward's here and uh, do you yeah. know why they call it uh, Spotted Dick Crystal? You probably do. I don't want to be condescending, but in case you don't, 
Uh, it is because uh, that is a name for a Dalmatian, and Spotted Dick looks like a Dalmatian dog. Oh, okay. Hmm. There we go. Uh, Crystal continues. Hey, Dave. <laughs> and then talks about the screw up there. So, you know, you've already ad- uh, addressed that. Yeah. But then she continues. Hey, uh, another great episode, guys. Ian has really been in top form lately with his amusing accents. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I've worn that was Paul McCartney crushed by a steamroller. Oh, crystals! Um, very popular. Not McCartney both. That classic impersonation everyone loves. Yeah. Various rock stars crushed by. And now by. Mick Jagger in a blender. Whoa! Um, I've worn glasses since middle school. Crystal mm-hmm. continues. It's a love-hate relationship. I love being able to see things at a distance. At a distance, I hate falling asleep on the couch with them on and warping the frames. My <laughs> up-close vision is fine, so I uh, pull them off when reading. Sometimes I take them off for photos and videos, and sometimes I don't. Oh. It's like that, is it? Hmm. Um, I would like to tell you about three things that are located in my community. One location is uh, something that a lot of people have heard about. But mainly only locals are aware that it's located in our community. And the other two are cool things that many locals are unaware that are here. This hmm. is a good setup. <laughs> Almost sounds like an essay. We've got three things. First, sounds, like a, sounds like a logic problem. There are several. Yeah, that's right. One of them is a lie. Can you determine which? <laughs> First, there are several elephants that have loaded up their trunks and moved to Tennessee. We have an elephant sanctuary on over 3,000 acres in our community that has provided refuge for nearly 30 elephants who are retired from zoos and circuses. As a true sanctuary, the facility is closed to the public, but you can visit the website to watch the Elecams <laughs> or stop by the Welcome Center to learn more about the elephants, their personalities, or the sanctuary's mission. Well, that's very, very cool. I'm writing a cartoon right now, and one of the things that is in it is an elephant sanctuary, so I will probably visit the Elecam. Um, Second, half a block from the Elephant Welcome Center is the local and natural uh, history museum, which has the third largest mounted animal collection in North America. A couple who own vacation property here donated the collection, which they gathered, dispatched, collected? Not sure what the politically correct term is. While on a number of safaris taken between 1949 and the 1990s, there are many taxidermied animals in the collection, they're now on the endangered species list, but were not at the time of their harvest. And the couple practiced selective hunting by intentionally choosing to dispatch older, weaker, sicker animals instead of those in their prime to help uh, with the herd health. It's an amazing volume of traffic that passes by the huge animal mural on the side of the museum, <laughs> and yet is unaware there is a museum in town. Wow. There's a restaurant um, near where I used to live that has a stuffed lion in it. <laughs> I don't know how they got it or yeah. what's the situation but it's uh, weird to see a lion stuffed yeah uh, while you're eating your pancakes maybe maybe there's little does he have a little balloon from his mouth saying i'm stuffed <laughs> you think you're stuffed <laughs> and lastly but not least in my book our local library has a very special room in it it's huh. where we lock up and torture people that don't return their no no no, no. Actually, we don't do that that wouldn't be nice at all and if we if you do hear someone in there, shh, no, she doesn't say that. Uh, but we do have is a room installed in our building that was originally part of a house. Huh. It was the front pa- uh, parlor of a home built by an Austri- Austrian immigrant who had incredible woodworking skills. The house had fallen into disrepair and was scheduled to be turned 
uh, burned down by the fire department for practice. Our historical society stepped in, found funding, and relocated the room into our library. They numbered every piece of wood so it would be carefully and correctly reassembled. I've been told that they removed the wall boards. They found newspapers written in German that dated back to the 1890s. Hmm. It is a beautiful... Yeah, and one of the things was Marmaduke. The German Marmaduke. <laughs> it's is still in there. What is this dog in? It is a beautiful, ornate room that we use to house our local history and genealogy collection. Take care, my friends. Thank you, Crystal. And Lisa writes, Oh, wow. I know about your elephant sanctuary, Crystal, because our local elephant, uh, Tina from the aforementioned zoo ended up there. We are connecting things together. We're linking things together. Uh, She had lived here most of her life, but the wet footing was not ideal for her, and she ended up with foot issues. I remember taking the girls down to see them loading her into the trailer for her trip south. I understand it took them two to three days to convince her to get into the trailer. And the girls and Lisa were there for two to three days watching all this happen. Is that right? No, I'm lying. Hmm, Absolutely lying to you. Interesting you chose to lie. (laughs) John H. writes... Sneaky Dragon, letter for the week. Hello, gentlemen. (laughs) What a great show this week. Thank you. Uh, I enjoyed your discussion of the fear of heights, which I share, and has gotten worse as I've gotten older. Sartre would say that what makes us afraid is that we have the freedom to jump, and that freedom is terrifying. A friend recently told me Mm -hmm. as a young adult, uh, she hiked a trail uh, with an infamous infamous vertigo-inducing drop. Hmm. There was a sign at the trailhead, do not hike this trail if you have a mild fear of heights. Her youthful logic ran this way. I don't have a mild fear of heights. I have a major fear of heights, so I will be fine. <laughs> she was not fine. <laughs> I also very much enjoyed Ian improvising on my favorite things, and I would vote uh, for that as a regular feature on the show. Ian pointing out uh, my inconsistency uh, in the fact that I, I wrote a long letter last week after saying that I would be too busy to do so, was a point well taken. (laughs) Uh, But uh, you may take it as a compliment. I used that one stretch of free time on Sunday to listen to and write, and the show was so good I couldn't resist. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Too bad this one sucked. mm -hmm. This is a show that's not my favorite thing. (laughs) What a big stinker. Let me turn it off now. Um, Question of... of When the show sucks... When the jokes suck, when everything is bad, bad. there's not even the vampire update, and now I just feel quite mad. Oh, the Nazis. Let's get out of here. Cheese it, the Nazis. That was the original title of uh, Sound of Music. Cheese it, the Nazis. Oh, yeah. Uh, Question of the week number one. Something you should know about where I live that you should know about. Yeah. the Clotilda. The Clot. Clotilda, I think. Clot. Well, where are you getting that extra L? Is there one there? Oh, Clotilda. You're right. Uh, just before the beginning of the Civil War, the last slave ship in America arrived in Mobile Bay, even though uh, participation in the international slave trade was illegal by that time. It's pronounced Mobile, in case my Canadian friends aren't sure. Thank you. I wish I'd known that earlier. <laughs> the ship bore 110 kidnapped African children. Afterward, it was intentionally uh, sunk in a Mobile uh, Bay to destroy the evidence. After the war, former oh. slaves found at Africa Town in North Mobile, uh, near the uh, site of the ship's arrival, and uh, there they revived and practiced Western African traditions and languages for decades. In 2019, 
The wreck of the ship was discovered, and that inspired a lot of press coverage. Hmm. My colleague in the English department, Kern Jackson, a scholar of folklore and uh, oral narrative, had begun researching the descendants of the survivors of the Clotilda, I'm so sorry, uh, for 30 years, and much of his research was used in a recent documentary film, Descendant which uh, just won a prize at Sundance at the Sundance Festival. He is credited as a producer and co-writer on the film, and it's brilliant, and I recommend it to everyone. Here's a write-up uh, in The Hollywood Reporter, which gives my colleague a nice mention. <laughs> and then... Uh, got, got a, a link, link there, there, yeah. Question number two. I have worn corrective eyewear for most of my life, and I completely gave up on contact lenses in my mid-30s as the last vestiges of my vanity dissolved. <laughs> I now consider glasses simply a part of my face, and I'm fine with that, especially now that I need progressive lenses. I did uh, have a glasses-related adventure lately. On the way to Miami to visit my wife's family at Christmas, I was wearing my prescription sunglasses to drive and realized too late that I had left my regular glasses at home. So oh. I spent some time cruising around Miami at night wearing sunglasses like Don Johnson circa <laughs> 1985, uh, though I was in a Subaru rather than a Porsche. I haven't made a backward dragon. I haven't made much backward dragon progress recently, but I have made it back to April of 2021. So uh, I'm back to believing that the pandemic is almost over. <laughs> I have a lot to warn us. Uh, I have a lot to say about Mozart and about Dave's interesting comments about his taste in classical music. Uh, but perhaps I'll send that in a private letter. Uh, so I don't bore the pants off my fellow sneakers with my music nerdishness. <laughs> Stay well, everyone. So saith John. P.S. Yep. The above letter was cut and pasted from my journal. So the headline, Sneaky Dragon, Letter of the Week, was a heading that I inadvertently pasted. I'm explaining it in case it seems awkward. No, that's fine. Edward <laughs> Draganski writes, I live in a rather quiet and uneventful part of the Dallas Metroplex. Metroplex, wow. Yeah. Uh, which is known... Uh, which, which is what the Dallas-Fort Worth area is called down here. West of me, Fort Worth is known as Cowtown and has famous stockyards uh, stockyards for country music, rodeo, and other venues of that kind. Fort Worth does have a spectacular cultural scene as well with four different museums within walking distance of one another, all of them wonderful. I know there's a large amount of films shot in around your location and in Vancouver, but we've had films shot here too. 1975's Logan's Run was shot throughout Dallas and Fort Worth, primarily the water gardens near uh, downtown Fort Worth. Dallas was <laughs> a background for Detroit in the original 87 Robocop, and our yeah. city hall replaced the OCP headquarters. <laughs> Two friends of mine even made it into the film uh, for about three seconds. Oh, wow, nice. Um, did Robocop shoot them in the groin? That'd be cool. <laughs> And re I, it really happened. If I had to say uh, what was the largest and most sustained event in Dallas uh, of the entire year, it would be our state uh, fair in September and October. It's taken place in, 19, in 1886, and I've gone almost every year since we've moved here in 1969. It's huh. pretty much the same each time. Fletcher's corny dogs, roasted corn, Belgian waffles, sausage on a stick, just to name a few of the hundreds of foods available here. Most of them fried. When I was a kid... <laughs> There was a freak show part of the fair that spooked me a bit, but it is obviously gone now. Uh, there, the mid there's the midway where you can play games and ride some really wild rides that don't look at all safe. Uh, there's a car show uh, in one of the buildings that's really great. If you go uh, the last week of the fair, most of the parts inside the car have been stolen. 
livestock <laughs> is bought uh, from is brought from every part of the state to come uh, compete each year. And if you stay until dark, you can catch a live band almost every night. The fairgrounds are enormous, and much of the architecture was built around the early 20th century, with huge murals and statues all over the grounds. But the most iconic feature of the state fair has to be Big Tex, a 55-foot cowboy statue at the entrance to the Midway. Big Tex talks and says, howdy, folks, then tells you what the day's activities are. In 2012, poor Big Tex burned to death until he was just a smoldering metal frame but was replaced with a current one a year later. Here are a few photos of Big Tex's fiery demise and his replacement. It wouldn't be the state fair without him. So we got some links there. Well, that's that's good they replaced Big Big Tex. I was born, uh, and then there's Little Tex. Hey, I'll take the job. <laughs> no, you're no Big Tex. Oh, son of a bitch. Um, I was born with myopic, uh, minus uh, 11.75 vision. But my folks didn't realize it until I was about five. Hmm. I wore really thick glasses up until I was a junior in high school. Then I switched to contact lenses. My doctor told me uh, 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 told me the semi-rigid gas-permeable lenses were better for me if I could stand wearing them, since they would stabilize my vision better than glasses. In May 2000, I was left uh, $4,000 in my grandmother's will, so I spent every penny of it on LASIK eye surgery. Uh, so you can say my grandmother paid for it, for me to finally see with my own eyes. Oh, this was uh, pretty much a miracle and the best $4,000 I ever spent. I had that done too. My wife paid for most of that. Uh, before the surgery, uh, I had to solely wear my glasses for an entire month since my eyes were actually reshaped by the contacts over the years. <laughs> my doctor mapped uh, my eyes the day before surgery and called me later that night. Maybe we should wait another week and let your eyes relax a little more so it would be a better surface for surgery. So I went another week uh, with my thick uh, birth control goggles on because uh, what's another week after waiting this long? Ian mentioned the process on last week's episode and he was dead on. You do smell your eyes burning as they lay off your eye and you are paranoid as hell. Something is going to poke you in the eye afterwards. I rubbed my eyes in my sleep so I had to wear those damn goggles to bed. The thought of uh, finding my cornea on my pillow in the morning scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Even so, the results were amazing, and I, I'm still glasses-free, except when driving or reading small print, because, you know, aging sucks. <laughs> sneak well, and sneaky health all. Hey, sneaky healthy all, and sneak healthy all. Yes. There we go. And that was the web letters of the week. All right. Well, thank you, Ed. Thank Are you, thank you everyone, for writing. Do, I do, do have do, some... Do, do. I do have some... I know, I know that um, John said that he wrote something, but I thought it was interesting, actually. So I'm going to read John's... Email. It's going to take off my glasses because I don't like to wear them when I read close up. Uh, John says, hello, gentlemen. Little does he know. (laughs) As I mentioned in my comment this week on the website, I'm writing separately to continue my musical conversation with Dave. So don't feel obligated to read it on the show unless you want to bore all of the sneakers. I do want to bore all the sneakers. There we go. I think that the composer you were trying to think of is Morton Feldman. Yes, you are correct, John. You said that you had recently bought a CD of his music by the Kronos Quartet, but couldn't remember his name. The the music, the performance isn't actually by the Kronos Quartet, but they, they were the ones who commissioned the, the, uh, the piece. That's what I was trying to say. I think you'll love it. Feldman is like no one else, similar in some ways to the minimalists, but mostly atonal in a pleasant way. Meditative patterns that gradually shift over time. It's great music to work or write to, or to enjoy a few moments of stillness. 
The composers that you listed as favorites are all favorites of mine as well. Raval, Debussy, Prokofiev, Stravinsky, etc. A number of them are challenging and test the limits of their musical, musical periods. Prokofiev's piano music, for instance, or for example, tests the very limits of the instrument, which brings me back to Mozart <laughs> and your impressions of his music. Mozart wrote lots of music to order for his patrons so he could, uh, so he could make a living. Did I pronounce that word in a weird way? Mm-hmm. Patrons. So that he could make a living. But much of his late music pushed the envelope in his time. With our 21st century ears, it's hard to hear how challenging it would have been to 18th century listeners. A good example of this is the G minor symphony, number 40, with its agitated mood and its strange key changes. The second movement, which in classical form should have been a sweet, melodic, slow movement, is filled with angst, exemplified by its chromatic lines and unsettled tonality. And then he sent a uh, uh, a link, which I'll probably put on the website, a link to, um, he calls him Lenny, Lenny Bernstein, conducting the piece with the Boston Symphony. All this is to say that I can understand your reaction to Mozart, considering your musical preferences, but I think that you could come to appreciate him, if not love him, if you consider his music in context. The mind boggles to imagine him living long enough to have shared Vienna with Beethoven in his prime, the heights to which they could have pushed each other. Thanks for the conversation. I love talking to people who are passionate about music and who have strong opinions. Mm. All the best, John. John, you might be interested to know that I, I when I was at Value Village, so just so people know. By the way, Value Village is our sponsor now. Yeah, it's our sponsor. Just so people know, uh, I'm sure Americans know this. I think it is an American company, Value Village, but maybe for international listeners, Valley Village is a commercially run thrift shop. Yes. So unlike your local, like we have a penny pincher. Salvation and, Army. Or Salvation Army, I guess, would also be considered internationally run, or, but it's not com- commercially run. Valley Village, you know, pretend to give their money to, to charities, but of course they put most of it in their own pockets. Unlike, say, the hospital thrift store or a Bibles for Missions, which are two uh, local thrift stores, thrift, thrift shops in Langley that I go to, where they take most of the money they make goes to goes to what, support whatever they are doing. But anyway, I was at Valley Village, and I, one of the C, I bought two CDs there, two classical CDs, as well as some other stuff. I bought like uh, Hope Sandoval and uh, a the soundtrack to Magnolia, because it has some Amy Mann stuff on it. And then, um, and I bought a, I bought um, uh, Missy Elliott, So Addictive. Okay. Because I have her CD under construction, but I didn't have that one, so I thought that, I bought that one. I was listening to it on the way here, actually. But I also bought uh, a couple of, like, I would consider, like, pop, popular composers, popular American composers. One is Aaron Copeland, who wrote, like, Overture for the Common Man, I think it's called, and a bunch of stuff for the Twyla Tharp uh, dance company, like, uh, you know, Rodeo or whatever. This things like that. They're very, they're kind of, they're okay. I, I think they're okay. I, I would rather watch people dance to them. But then I also bought this one that was by this guy named Ferd Grofe. Mm-hmm. Verdi Grofe, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but um, it was kind of interesting. It was like a, it was like a tone, like a tone poem for the Grand Canyon. Oh, and it was very familiar sounding. I think part of it because one of it, I think part of it is was used by by Carl Stalling for like the Warner Brothers cartoon soundtracks because it's the one that goes do 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 do. It had as part of it. That sounds familiar, right? Yeah, it's something they play for like yeah. So that was kind of like, I think it's called On the Trail. It's part of, like, it's a five-part. Uh, so it has, like, Sunrise, and then another part, and then it has 
on the trail and then sunset, I think. And then, and then it finishes with uh, storm, storm burst or cloud burst, it's called, I think. And they're all kind of like various different kind of attempts to like give you like a sound impression of the Grand Canyon. And it was actually used by Walt Disney when they for did what? like, Walt Disney, what was that? For what? For like a documentary about the Grand Canyon, they oh, used okay. the music for as as that would make sense. But what I didn't know about this guy is I never really heard of him. I just saw the CD that I thought, oh, that looks interesting. Is that he um, was the person who orchestrated uh, Rhapsody in Blue, the George Gershwin, because George Gershwin originally oh, okay. wrote it for two pianos, and so this guy took it and he he added all the instrumentation. So like our version of it that we love is basically the version this guy orchestrated. Yeah, and in fact. He felt he did so much work to it. He put his own name on it, <laughs> which Gershwin objected to for some reason. Sure. But uh, he did get a co-writing credit for the orchestrated one. Because uh, it really is like all that stuff that, dun, 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 you know, like the big sound of it, dun, shh, all that stuff is all added by him uh, in the orchestration. And he also worked with Paul Whiteman, who was like a famous uh, white jazz musician in the in the 20s, like a dance band musician. He was... He was the arranger for for Paul Whiteman, uh, and Paul Whiteman was famously called the King of Jazz. There's a movie called The King of Jazz featuring Paul Whiteman, and this guy was called the Prime Minister of Jazz because <laughs> uh, of his background work with uh, with him. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Anyways, it was pretty good though. I quite enjoyed it. I listened to it like a it. number of times when I was driving around this week. All right, let's go on to the next letter. This is from Laurel Robertson, and the headline for this is very exciting. It's congratulate me. I have a new grandson. So congratulations, Laurel. That Yay! is fantastic. Fantastic. And the, and the world got a little better. <laughs> yes. Uh, she says, hello, dear David and dear Ian and dear sneakers. I hope all is well with everyone. I had taken notes on episode 531 and had answers to questions. But now, but now, but she says, but now I did not get to answer them at the proper time because I was called by my son and daughter-in-law. Baby's on the way. And off I went the two hours to their home near Charlotte to dog sit the corgi and then stay with them the first few days back home with new baby little with new little boy. <laughs> I'm going to guess that it's Kai or K. It's K-A-I. I don't know. Let us know. Let us know. Yes. First, of course, I cooked a large pot of soup to take to take with, but no time to respond to my <laughs> sneaky dragon hosts. Back home now, I will move forward and forget all of my previous notes other than this. At the beginning of episode 531, Ian, you said that Brad Anderson was the original cartoonist for the Marmaduke comic strip. And David, you said it didn't sound like a 50s name. I just have to say that I thought exactly the same thing. <laughs> Brad Anderson is not a typical 60s name, or 50s name, or 60s name, really. So I was glad you addressed the issue. I'm glad I addressed it, too. Later in 531, Ian, you <laughs> talked about you and Pia doing cartoons for the New Yorker caption contest. Yes. This brings me to a question I've been meaning to ask for ages. Okay. Well, I wish we had time. Anyway, uh, Dave, uh, what's going on next week? <laughs> yeah, you... next week. on the, well, let's, let's figure out our questions for the All next right, week's yeah. show. The question is, have you ever been uh, interrupted? <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to ask for ages. Is it possible for you to say on Sneaky Dragon, every time you and Pia have a cartoon in The New Yorker? Oh, boy. So we can find them easily. Okay. My husband has taken the magazine for forever. And since you have been submitting artwork, I have tried to check every issue. But sometimes, I'm sure I've missed them. Anyway, if you could, would, that would be great. I haven't had a chance to listen to the Cartoon Caption Podcast. It's on the list for this weekend. 
can't wait. Okay, I'll try to mention if I... Uh, yeah, we got a subscription. So uh, I find out that we're in them really when I see them. Like we do we do get told, yeah, they're going to use them. But like there was one that that uh, got the green light that's... It's been like a year and a bit. So, you know, when it comes out, it comes out. <laughs> well, it's one about uh, Ayn Rand that we really like and I'm just like waiting on it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll try to. I will try to. Yes. Thank you. Oh, by the way, the uh, Brad Anderson yeah. was known as Bradley Anderson. Does that sound more no. old-timey to you? No. I don't know what to tell you. That's his, uh, that's his name. <laughs> All right. Okay. Finally, this week's questions. One, where we live in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, there are sourwood trees that only grow in this region and at this altitude. They bloom June, July, with clusters of lily-of-the-valley-type blossoms that are very attractive to honeybees. And this is the most prized honey in our region. Mm. It was probably sourwood honey I sent to you a few years ago. And I enjoyed it very much, Laurel. So I have mentioned that before, and I'll say it again. Thank you very much for sending that to me. Or us. I guess you got some too, right, Ian? I think so, yeah. Two, I have worn glasses since I was five, you and me both, <laughs> and should have had them earlier. At 16, when I was finally able to buy my own contact lenses, the horrible hard lenses in the mid-70s, I was so happy. I still wear glasses when at home, but contacts went out. I guess I, too, like Crystal says, I'm glad they allow me to see. And being teased for having Coke bottle lenses has, I suppose, built character. (laughs) Love to all. I'm off to work. And then we have a PS from Laurel. She says, hello again. Maybe I will get this to you before you are finished recording. Oh, okay. I just wanted to add that I also have added a few words under Chris Roberts' comment on episode 320, in case you don't notice. But probably you would. I just wanted to be sure. Thank you so much. Have a great night. So maybe you want to go back to that. Episode 320. I was going to... Sorry, 520. Okay. I was going to mention that. Let's get to that. Hold it. She she put 320, but she meant 520. 520. Let's see what we're doing. 520, it's a long time back. <laughs> Let's see if I can find it. 520, it's the time to beat Abadipo. 520 is the episode I'm clicking on now. I'm doing it now, I'm clicking it twice. There's a thing from, I just see a thing. All right, so who who is this? For? So for, uh, uh, Laurel commented on Chris's comment. Okay, I only got Crystal's comment here on, uh, on uh, 520. Do you see anything? I haven't gone there. Let me look. Okay. I am sorry. I uh, I didn't see uh, the notification on the what you talking about where it would normally put it like at the top. Um, mm. So yeah, I've got it. It was five. It was five thirty. That okay. was a problem. Oh, five thirty. All yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I still. All right, five thirty. Let me let me let me do it. Again. Do you want me to read it? I'm there. Why don't you read it, Dave? Why don't you read it? Why don't you do the reading? Cause I got it all wrong. Okay, uh, I well anyway, it was a it was a uh, chain of chain of uh, anyway. Laurel says, Chris, thank you for explaining a bit more of your process concerning the daffodil star James Watson. I'm already looking forward to a photo of the beautiful bloom. The pressure's on, Chris. I did read through the official registration using your above link, and admit to having to look up meanings of a few of the descriptive words such as mucronate. Ending abruptly in a short, sharp point, or mucro, and crenate, especially of a leaf or shell, having a round tooth or scalloped edge. I'm glad you have to read these. I will use these now when describing my own daffodils to people instead of my usual pointy and roughly and kind of triangle-shaped. 
I can't wait. I think I will enjoy the baffled and confused looks here in Wilkes County, sorry, Wilkes County, North Carolina, because contrary to your unbelievably kind compliment, Chris, I'm really quite evil. <laughs> she put a smiley face though, so I don't know if that makes you evil. Oh, it's tough to tell then. That's hard to tell. If you're smiling and saying that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't sorry. know. I don't know what to say. But thank you, Laurel, for reminding us that that was there in episode 530. Okay. Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, we got to come up with questions for next week. Oh my god! I got I got one. Okay. Uh, earlier, you were talking about uh, uh, thinking that you own something, but you didn't own it. It was a false memory, basically. You're like, I remember I had this, and oh, I okay, that, yeah. And uh, and recently, I had a, a similar thing with Pia, where I was like, Hey, remember that uh, roof balcony, that uh, rooftop kind of like communal area on our building? You're like, What are you talking about? Uh, then we uh, and it was actually from another building that I lived. Okay, in. okay. And so I had a false memory there too. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is a false memory okay. that you have that you're like, oh, I completely remember, you know, this happening, but it didn't happen, and it's been proved to you mm. with like uh, evidence yeah. that it, would, it did not occur. What is a false memory that you're like, oh, but I remember it so clearly, <laughs> but it did not happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, how about this as a counter? What is a real thing that happened to you that no one believed? Oh, ooh, okay. Both of these could have traumatic uh, <laughs> answers. Well, well, try and keep it light. But if it is traumatic and you, you know, want to and share, and, and that's honestly, fine yeah, too. You don't have to keep it light if you yeah. don't want to. That's all right. But if you want to, if you want to share, yeah, we share. You can share. We talk about our traumas. We do. Yeah. I make it all up. We're a couple of trauma llamas. <laughs> trauma llamas. That's right. Trauma llamas. So yeah, if you want to uh, let us know that, how do they do that, Dave? Well, how do they do that? Oh, I know. We have a website. It's called SneakyDragon.com. That is our website. If you go there, you'll find this very show you're listening to there. And you can write a comment underneath it. You can leave your thoughts and words and sayings and expressions and other things. And we look forward to hearing from you, obviously. Mm-hmm. If you want to be read by me, or if you just feel like communicating semi-privately and thinking that no one's going to read your response because it's boring, like John did, and then I read it anyway, and he's like, at home, he's going like, damn it. I told you not to read it, Dave. I told you guys don't. Oh, I'm never going to write to that again, but I have to write guys. and respond to this Ferd Grofe comment. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can uh, write to our email. It's sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. We are on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. We have a Facebook page called Sneaky Dragon, where you are welcome to comment there. And on Twitter, of course, we do in, we do enjoy people writing stuff to us. Um, I, I, and even if we don't mention the show... Believe me, I love it. And uh, there you go. That's all I'm going to say. Ian, you got any plugs? We kind of plugged Sparks. But. Uh, yeah, a Mannequin on the Moon is a daily comic strip I do with my wife, Pia Guerra. You can go to gocomics.com and, and find that. We're also on Instagram. Uh, we plugged Sparks already, as we've said. And uh, yeah, you know what? That's about it. Hey, if you're uh, at in Vancouver this weekend, Vancouver Fan Expo, I'll be there. So will Pia. Uh, it would be nice to see you and uh, say hi. Cool. I can't make any promises, but maybe I'll maybe I'll come by. I can get you a comp. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I can get you a comp. We'll see. All right. Oh, wait. I got to work. On Monday? Oh, no, Monday. Uh, got me there. I guess got me there. all the excuses just went out the window. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling a little sick. Anyway, everyone, take care. Have a good week. And we will talk to you soon. Stay loose. Stay loose.